0: Hello and welcome to the newest episode of the StatCast with me and Sam Greenman. Uh, Today I think we're going to be talking about baseball for the first time in a while, I know, uh, because we've got some MLB awards that happened, we've got a crazy breaking story, which could change the shape of baseball as we know it, and also um, free agency is going to start soon, or has started, even though no one's actually done anything about it.
1: Yeah, uh, it free agency is definitely not going to be, like, at all relevant for another, like, f- three months.
0: Which is a joke, by the way. I just want to talk, before we even get into that, the fact that NBA free agency is so much fun. Players start signing, like, as soon as, like, the quote-unquote tampering period opens, and they're already there. And in baseball, it's like, oh, um... You, you guys waiting for something? You guys hear something? I don't think anything's going on. Garrett going to sign in February for like 10 years and $300 million and like it'll be cool and all, but I'd rather see the kind of stuff where you suddenly have a flurry of guys all signing back to back to back to back to back. Yeah. Um. But whatever. Yeah. Baseball's free agency is broken and basketball is way more fun. So you're also going to get a lot of basketball talk in this podcast, which most people should be happy to hear. But first,
1: Milo Hamilton. Swinging, lining it to left, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone, press mark, holy Toledo, what a
0: Welcome to the StatCast. We've got quite the topic on our hands in baseball. Some serious breaking news that came out a couple days ago and the story has been growing ever since is the Houston Astros, who have been in the, the best team in baseball the last three years by by record, have won one World Series, have lost a second, and made the ALCS in the year in between and still won 100 games each of the past three years, have been embroiled in another... Yet another controversy: sign stealing. Sam, why don't you start us off? So apparently, who was it? Um, what do you mean? Who was it? There was the
1: who was the former player that no? Oh, Mike Fires. I, Mike. So Mike Fires,
0: Astros innings leader in twenty seventeen, throw over no hitter.
1: Yes, way. and known user of pine tar, brought yeah. up the fact that in twenty seventeen they had video, they had cameras positioned uh, in order for them to steal signs from the opponent.
0: So they put him in center they targeted them at the catcher and they were just basically zooming in on what the catcher did like he put on a 2 or a 3 or whatever he was doing
1: Yeah, that's that. That's what happened and before I go on my rant about
0: Oh, they hooked, so what they did is they hooked it up uh, to the dugout they had a TV in the dugout And then this is kind of a weird thing, like just the fact that this is going on, it's very uh, low tech at a baseball game. But so they have this TV that's hooked up to the catcher's signs and they have like a few guys like down in this room, like behind underneath the dugout, checking to see what the signs are. And when they figure them out, they had this trash can that they would bang on a certain amount of times, depending on what pitch was coming. And if you listen to like some Astros games, you can he- specifically Astros home games, you can actually hear them go off right before a pitch. It's fascinating. Yeah,
1: that's uh, I, the Astros have their public image has just been going down ever since the the Toddman incident, the Tottenham.
0: the Osuna signing or trading yeah. in the first place.
1: Yeah. Um. All right. So now I'm going to get into my rant. All right. What is so answer me this. What is the purpose of using signs?
0: Uh so that the pitcher and the catcher are on the same page about what the pitcher is going to throw and the batter, and the batter isn't supposed to know what the pitcher is going to throw. That's sound
1: right. So signs are meant to be so made so that other people can't know what the signs are.
0: Right. They're meant to be in code. So
1: if somebody is able to steal signs, then that's not the fault of the person that's stealing the sign. It's Um, the... uh, Excuse me, I'm not done. It is the fault of the person giving the sign because the sign is too obvious. That's fair. It's your choice to use signs. Yeah. And it's your choice to use... It's your choice for what kind of method you guys use... Whether it's, like, outs plus one or anything else, basically. If it's decipherable, then you shouldn't get mad if somebody deciphers it.
0: So what you're saying is... I'm not done. Okay, okay.
1: If somebody from the dugout can see that, or if somebody from second base can see that and relay it to the batter, I'm fine with it. As but as soon as you start bringing in electronics, that's over the line.
0: And that's where I think I agree with you. Uh, I think the Astros are notoriously known for stealing signs from second base, but you should be stealing signs from second base because, well, it's just something that good teams should be able to do.
1: You shouldn't. You shouldn't steal signs from second base. But if you're yeah, able to, not? but if you're able to, yeah. then you can.
0: That's fair. But yeah, there's definitely a competitive advantage that comes from putting in like an actual electronic camera in center field or having someone like stand somewhere where they can see that someone who isn't in the playing field stand where they can see the catcher and then relay the signs to the dugout. That's something which shouldn't be happening. And I agree with you there. But yeah, but the thing is. I don't think that the signs are that sign stealing is specific only to the Astros and Ken Rosenthal not. Who wrote the article said in fact that it seems like it's most teams who are doing something like that and it's interesting to note that two of the people at the forefront of this are managers for other teams Yes, Beltron and Cora. Yeah, Carlos Beltron who people I think rightly surmised was the player who had the idea of doing this in the first place which makes a quote that he had in the book Astro Ball all the more interesting, which is that he was, someone said that Carlos Beltron really helped them figure out how to recognize when the other team was tipping pitches. I think Beltron might have been doing just a bit more than that, so that's very interesting. But also Cora, who's now the manager of the Red Sox, which is interesting timing that the Red Sox hire Cora, seeing as how in 2017 okay, let's they had a out. guy stealing signs from the outfield with an Apple Watch. And then they go and sign Cora.
1: Yeah. Um, I I think sign stealing is viewed the same way as pitchers and pine tar. Yeah. Pitcher. Every th- pitcher rubs I, their hat. I, every pitcher rubs their hat. Every pitcher rubs the inside of their glove. It's very. It's more blatant than the sign stealing. If you watch a game, you'll see it. Yeah. Like. You'll constantly see it. You constantly see it. Neither team cares and I think they're fine with keeping it that way because they know that they do it too yeah so I feel like sign stealing is in the same boat but I feel like the next step of using cameras and technology is kind 2.0 is kind of like try is kind of like pine tar going to like a spitball it's like well okay that's just like over the line
0: yeah pine tar you might put it on the ball to make sure you get a better grip no, you don't. You don't put. Oh, you don't, you don't put time the time time. pine tar on the you, ball. You you rub the ball with your like fingernails or something like that, right? I don't know. Or is the so, catcher scuffs the ball.
1: No. Okay. That's these are two different things. Pine tar is used for grip, and grip only because rosin really doesn't do much, especially yeah. in cold weather. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Spitballs are just to get like crazy amounts of movement. Yeah, you it's got you, an, you don't, an object on it.
1: You don't get like any um. You don't get any extra movement from Pine Tar.
0: Right. You just get better grip and location.
1: Everybody's fine with it because it reduces like wildness of pitchers, which if you're wild and you hit somebody and you know they're out for a significant period of time. Yeah.
0: It just makes the game go faster. It, it too. makes
1: the game well, yeah, I guess. It I guess not as a direct result, but like
0: Yeah. Yes. I th- I think that's per. You so say pine tar. I mean if you have it like your neck or something where like the camera is picking it up like Michael Pineda a few years back, then that's something which like the ump should definitely go up to you and be like, "Hey, can you can you stop that?" But yeah. I think that baseball has a lot of unwritten rules like and sign sealing and pine tar are two of them. Well, Pintar's
1: is, is—I mean, like, technically Tar is against the rules.
0: Pintar is against the rules, but I guess the unwritten—is un, silent ceiling against the rules, or— What? No. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I guess it shouldn't be against the rules, even though teams were warned, like, specifically not to do it, but I guess not to do certain kinds of it. Like, they were—after the Red Sox and the Yankees were caught in the end of 2017, teams were warned that they'd, like, be levied a fine in draft picks. I remember
1: apparently people are saying that the incoming sus- like incoming whatever like punishment is is going to be like big
0: it wouldn't surprise me if like jeff luno got fined and maybe suspended or if hinch cora and beltron were all like suspended for a couple months or something like that i don't think there would be any players though who would make any sense to suspend it would only be front office guys and brandon tobman apparently brandon tobman former Astros employee was one of the guys who may have been helping the Astros do it, and he's already gone. So it remains to be seen who would be punished, if any. But I don't think it would have any on-field effect, is what I think. But I guess since the Astros bench coach Joe Espada has remained on the team and not, and the Giants have yeah, insanely they... signed Gabe Kapler to be their next manager, then I think the Astros should be fine in this case. I don't know. The issue is if, like, it comes down as far as draft picks or... I think that's what, like... Like, if you aren't allowed m- to spend a certain amount of money or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, we'll see, I guess, what mm-hmm. happens. But it r- remains to be seen. So, we've got more baseball talk because some good things actually happen for the Astros. And so, we have team, two managers. Manager of the year were Rocco Baldelli of the Twins who doesn't? that didn't surprise anybody that he won manager of the year. I guess the only other case was for Aaron Boone, but the Twins— Why not Kevin for... Cash? Because the Rays almost made the playoffs last year, and they only won like six more games this year, but the Twins came out of nowhere and really were impressive.
1: I mean— I it... don't like manager of the year award anyway.
0: Yeah, manager of the year awards are stupid. Uh, in the NL, it was Mike Schilt of the Cardinals, who no one expected to make the playoffs, and they made the playoffs. Congratulations. That's what it usually is. I mean, I said the Cardinals would make the playoffs. Well, that was a hot take, and good on you for that. But anyway, the in the more, I guess, fun news, the so we had a really stupid debate, but a debate nevertheless as far as uni- quote-unquote unanimous award winners. So, we, so far, we're recording this on a Thursday. The MVP awards come out tonight, so we won't be able to talk about them yet. But so far, the Astros and the Mets have swept the first two awards, Rookie of the Year and Cy Young. So Astros rookie Jordan Alvarez got all 30 out of 30 vote, first place votes for Rookie of the Year. Well, Mets rookie Pete Alonso got 29 out of 30 with one writer choosing Mike Soroka over Alonso. And then in the Cy Young votes, Justin Verlander got 17, Garrett Cole got 13 to sweep the 30, while Jacob deGrom got 29 out of 30 with uh, Ryu getting the final first place vote. So, people really talked about it with Alonzo a little less with Degrom, but I guess they were kind of annoyed that I don't know there wasn't entirely unanimous. It was only twenty nine out of thirty. Do you think that's a big deal? Um, as
1: far as y- the unanimous result, I don't think that's important. Yeah. I think it matters who you vote for.
0: Yeah, Soroka makes a lot of sense.
1: Soroka, I don't like. It's not. I don't think that's a stretch to. Th- Give him a first place vote for rookie of he the year. He had a
0: 268 ERA and yeah. was one of the best pitchers, might have been the best pitcher on the team that won the division that the Mets were in. And what I saw, I read the article of the guy who decided not to vote for him. Yes, he works for the Athletic. Yeah. Uh, so he's a San Francisco writer, so I don't think he really, yeah. it really matters to him that much. But what his case was is that Soroka was the best pitcher in the National League at preventing home runs. And in a year where in which home runs were so prevalent, Pete Alonzo's home runs might be worth less than Soroka's outstanding ability to not allow home runs. So I don't know if that makes the case entirely, but I can definitely understand that. It makes a degree of sense. It's not the case I would have made, but there's a case. But the case for an L.A. writer choosing to vote Ryu over Jacob deGrom is literally just homerism. So we don't even have to talk about that. Okay. Do we? Do you think Ryu had a case for being uh, Cy Young over the course of the entire season? He sort of imploded Um, at the end.
1: Well, I think. Hmm. Who would it? Who would have surprised you least to get the last, the only first place vote that DeGrom didn't
0: get? I think Scherzer. I think Scherzer. Had a better year than DeGrom as far as like ERA wise and advanced stats wise. With the Scherzer issue. Scherzer missed five starts. Exactly. Scherzer mi- missed five starts. Scherzer was a better pitcher in all the starts that he was in, but DeGrom was more consistent over the course of the entire year. And so that doesn't surprise me. One thing that I saw on Twitter that was really interesting was that so Jacob DeGrom has been phenomenal since he joined uh, the league. And so someone decided to compare him. So he's played six seasons in the league. Someone decided to compare him with Clayton Kershaw through their first six seasons. They've each thrown around eleven hundred innings. Their ERA. Uh, Kershaw's was two sixty. Degrom's at two sixty two. Uh, Degrom has one point five more fan graphs WAR. Kershaw's zero point two more Baseball Reference WAR. So it's very close, going through the first six seasons of their career. There's one big difference though. Can you guess what that is? Strikeouts. No, not strikeouts. Oh, wins. No, here's something, which is crazy. So you know how we said it was Kershaw's first six seasons versus now DeGrom has played six seasons? Yeah. When Clayton Kershaw finished his sixth season, that he was five months younger than Jacob DeGrom was when he made his MLB debut. DeGrom made his debut at 22? No, 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 no. When Kershaw finished his sixth season, he was five months younger at that time than DeGrom was when he made his MLB debut. Oh,
1: so you're saying DeGrom literally debuted at 28?
0: DeGrom, no, Kershaw debuted at 20, at 20, I think, and I think DeGrom debuted at 26, or maybe it was 21, 27, because Kershaw came straight out of high school. DeGrom went to college. So Clayton Kershaw, that just shows you how incredible, first of all, Clayton Kershaw's first six years are. Were and how good of a pitcher he's been. It's fun. Fun. Yeah. It's a fun stat. And also, Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander, if two more people had put Cole ahead of Verlander on their list, then we would have had Co Sai Youngs for the first time since, I think, the 90s, right? I feel like Cole should have won. I think Cole definitely had a case. I think it was neck and neck, and I wouldn't have complained at all if there were Co Sai Youngs because both people get the award if there are Co Sai Youngs. But. I'm perfectly fine with Verlander winning but Cole was a better pitcher down the stretch yeah Cole just wasn't that great at the beginning of the year he was yeah. he was fine he wasn't that great all right so we've got free agency do we want to talk about that or do you want to switch to basketball let's we'll switch to basketball all right we can talk about free agency next week maybe someone will actually have signed by no, then no nice no, no 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 good,
1: good attempt good
0: attempt the but qualifying no. offer deadline is soon though yeah or is that like literally 2 minutes ago. It might be, it might have been. I don't know. Let's talk about basketball. 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 So, we could lead off with three stars of the week, or we could lead off uh, with our underperformers and our overperformers and real or not real. Which one do you want to do? Real or not real. All right. So, what this is how this is going to work is we are looking through the NBA standings right now. Some teams are doing really well. Some teams aren't doing that well. Right now, there are six teams over 500 in the East. There are eight teams over 500 in the West. And so we're going to tell you guys one team that's done really well, who, which is surprising, but we think is there to stay, and one team which is doing really well, which, who we don't think is actually all that good. And then we're going to do the same thing for underperformers. Who have you got for your first real overperformer?
1: For my first real overperformer, I have Miami.
0: Miami. I like that pick. It so, was, would have been my pick if I hadn't gone a certain other way.
1: Yeah. So for many reasons, Miami, they're I believe seven and three or yeah, seven and three record. Yeah. Um I think it's uh believable considering, you know, what their you know, their peripheral stats. They have one of the best defenses in the league. Um, they're best at preventing threes. They have only allowed opponents to shoot 29% from three, which, which is, is impressive, the best in the league. Um, they've only allowed 42 rebounds per game, which is second fewest. Uh, they've only allowed 105.7 points per game, um, which is also the second fewest. Jimmy Butler has two is averaging two point seven steals per game, and Bam Adebayo is averaging one point six steals and one point four blocks a game.
0: Yeah, Adebayo's been a crazy good defender, and he's actually like helped the team out enough on offense because he can sort of run the break a little bit, which is great when you have a guy who's like six foot nine, six foot ten, and can pass like that. And obviously, Kendrick Nunn has been starring. Um, I think I saw that the best lineup in the league by net rating. For all lineups that have played greater than 40 minutes, is Jimmy Butler, Myers Leonard, Bam Adebayo, Robinson, and uh, Kendrick Nunn. The clear key to that is Duncan Robinson. Michigan yeah, Duncan man. Robinson. So that team has a 32.0, a plus 32.0 net rating, which is the best in the league. Really impressive for a Miami team, which not that many people even picked to make the playoffs. Or maybe if they picked them to make the playoffs, it was like more in like the seven or eight spot. But they were a feisty team last year, and adding Jimmy Butler has really um, made the team start clicking on all cylinders. I really like that pick.
1: Yeah, who's your uh, real overperformer?
0: My real, my real overperformer is a team which you're not going to be happy to hear, but it's the bright future Suns, the bright present Suns right now. So I noticed that Miami, uh, they have a plus. They're winning their games by an average of... In all their games, not winning them, but like they're an average of plus 6.0 points per game. They're up by that. But the Phoenix Suns are actually up by 6.2. I was looking at the Timberwolves. I thought they made sense as a real overperformer, but I noticed that they're only winning by one point per game. But the Phoenix Phoenix Suns are doing it by 6.2, which is crazy impressive. Devin Booker finally looks like the superstar we all thought he could be. Aaron Baines... He hasn't played that many minutes per game, but he's been one of the most efficient players in the league. He's shooting at one of the highest percentages. He's rebounding at a crazy rate, and he's just been really impressive overall. But Devin Booker is really the guy. Devin. It kind of reminds me of the Rockets circa maybe 2015 when that was the same year that the Warriors really made the leap, when they made the leap into the best team in basketball. The Rockets, nobody really notices, but the Rockets also made a crazy leap that year. James Harden... Competed with Steph for the title of MVP, and it looks like Devin Booker is finally stopping a bad, uh, good stats bad team guy, and has finally become a good stats good team guy. And his passing is greatly improved. His shooting is as good as it's ever been, and he's just been more efficient this year. And it's really great to see.
1: Yeah, it's I, I'm it's actually weird because they're doing this all without Aiden. Yeah, I think I like Kelly Oubre, just personally. I think he's a great three and D guy. Underrated signing. Un- yeah, very underrated signing. But yeah, they have they have a lot of young young guys that are I think in my opinion they're overperforming a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that's fair. Yeah. But I I it makes them more interesting than I thought they would be.
0: Yeah. It seems like they're a team that really is going to compete for the playoffs. I mean, this is only through like ten games as we speak right now, but it they've had some real quality wins too. Like they beat the Clippers, they're going up against good teams and they're really challenging them. So I really like to see it. All right, tell me who your uh, overperforming team is. Who you think isn't actually all that real?
1: Minnesota, Minnesota. Tell me why. They have played a very weak schedule. Their wins have been against weak opponents. Both, yeah, i.e., Brooklyn, Charlotte, Golden State, without anybody on their team, and the Pistons. I will say that they've had a couple of surprising wins against Miami and San Antonio. San Antonio's only five and six, eh, but still, that's true. It's pop. Their offense, Minnesota's offense, is deceivingly bad. They're among the league leaders in field goals attempted, but they have like a middle of the road field goal percentage of like forty four percent. They have they take the second most threes a game at almost forty a game. And they have I think, th- the,
0: I think they're third in threes. I think Rockets are one, Bucks are two.
1: Yeah, th- that might be true. And they have the third worst percentage of threes at 31%. So they take a lot of threes, and they don't make a lot of threes, which is a bad combination. Yeah. Also, their defense is horrible.
0: That's true. That doesn't surprise they anybody. They
1: allow 39% uh, three-pointing, three-point shooting, which is the second worst. They allow 47.4 rebounds a game. Which is the sixth worst, and they allow 116.2 points per game. Yeah. So offense looks good, but it's bad because they they just in an age of the sprawl ball era. Yeah, they the really can't shots they really the can't map. find people that make three point shots.
0: Yeah, that's something that has been interesting. I watched them the other night. So Andrew Wiggins, by the way, has scored. 30 points in his last at least in his last 5 games. He scored 40 the other night to lead them to a, a crazy win.
1: He's he is the epitome of this team. Yeah. Just mid-range
0: shots and nothing else. Well, the th- interesting thing about Wiggins is what he's doing is he, he has a lot more room now because what they're doing I think he's doing his best when they're playing towns at the 5 because towns what he can do is he can play anywhere on the court because he's a stretch 5. And so because of that, he's opening up the lanes for someone like Wiggins. This is similar to what the Rockets are doing for Russ, because Russ has four shooters whenever he's on the court, unless Capella's on the floor. And so Wiggins' plus-minus is much higher with Towns on the court than without Towns on the court. I think, I don't know if Wiggins is has the highest basketball IQ. He's clearly a very athletic player, but I don't know how smart he is at reading a defense. But even you and I could cut through the lanes that Wiggins is cutting through when Towns is spotting up. When Towns is sp- has the threat to spot up from three, because then the lanes are kind of wide open, and that's when Wiggins is driving and getting to the basket. So I think they're a team that's good when their starters are in, but they really don't seem to have a lot of depth. Like Covington is not that great as like the third best player on your team. Jeff Teague is not. I don't know a a playoff point guard really, and so. I like their team. I don't think that they're a bad team, but I worry a little bit about how much this team is going to hold up over the course of the season. Who's your uh fake over-performer? Are you ready for this? Trust me, you're not ready for this. All right. It's the team with the best record in the league, the Boston Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bite my tongue for now. All right, so good things about the Celtics. They're winning almost all their games. They've had the second-best offense in the league up to this point.
1: Best fourth-quarter offense in the league.
0: Yeah, they're really turning up in the fourth quarter. They've had a lot of comebacks. Not sure how reliable those are. But so they've done really well. Gordon Hayward was absolutely great for them until he got hurt, but he's out for the next six weeks. And so... I don't know how consistent the team is going to be without him, especially because uh, Hayward what Hayward is doing really well is slashing, distributing. But that isn't exactly why I'm here to talk about that. Because the Celtics have been playing like one of the top two or three teams in the league up to this point, and I think they're a top five or six team. I don't know if they're a top one or two team. The things I see in them is they have the youngest team in the league. The people who they're playing at center are like Robert Williams and Grant Williams, who are our first- and a second-year player. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are still only, like, what, 21, 22, 22, 23, something like that? Jason Tatum's still only 19. <laughs> um, and Kemba Walker is very good. He might not be Kyrie, but he's good for this team. Mm, he's better than Kyrie for this team. He's better than Kyrie for this team. But at the same time, they are the youngest team in the league. Then they Their schedule really hasn't been that great so far. They just have pretty much been beating up on a lot of eastern conference teams who i don't know also
1: beat the spurs on the road by about 30
0: yeah but the spurs again like we said are five and six spurs aren't that great there let me check the Celtics schedule i think they've played like the knicks a couple times that they like they beat the wizards last night which is good and all but it's again at the same time it was a seven game win against the wizards and Um, so
1: it was 20 for basically the entire game
0: they, but here's another thing. They haven't won um, a road game against a team with a winning record this season. And so that's not a good thing. We marriage. haven't
1: played many road games.
0: That's true. The that, so Celtics haven't played many road games. And so because the Celtics have played so many home teams and mostly against teams that aren't as good, I don't. I think this is kind of like the peak for the Celtics because they're about to go on a four-game road trip against first the Kings, who you're going to hear about soon, uh, then the Suns, who you've heard about, then the Clippers and the Jazz, and the Clippers and the Jazz are both top four in the West Western Conference right now, and they're all great teams. So if the Celtics come out of that with a three and one record, then I'll eat my words. But I think they're going to come out with a one and three record, or maybe even an zero oh and four record, and that's and so I think we'll know a lot more about the Celtics after this road trip than we do right now. Yeah. Um, what, what's your underperformer who you think really is that bad? Brooklyn. Brooklyn.
1: Tell me more. Their offense is not as good as everybody thought it was going to be. It is middle of the road, even with all of... Run of the mill. Run, you know, run of the mill. Salt middle of, the, of earth, the road. Middle of the road. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's bad. Not bad. It's not bad. It's, it's not, not bad, great. But, I mean... Karis LeVert is out. Yeah, he's out for a few weeks which now. Which
0: doesn't surprise anybody, unfortunately
1: you know deandre jordan is slowly getting less and less
0: useful deandre jordan is like a school bus yeah he just can go in one direction he can't really make right turns he's creaky he's rickety children hate him i don't know about and that he, last he part he makes
1: wide turns <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah he, he can he can't do much at this age he definitely he definitely can't go over speed bumps without groaning but <laughs>
1: What else you got about the Nets? So their defense is bad. They allow 121.4 points per game. Yeah.
0: Kyrie's not known for his uh, phenomenal defense.
1: And they also allow 37% three-point shooting against them.
0: Is that bad? I think that's bad. Yes.
1: It's fifth worst. It's pretty bad. And in addition to that, they still have all these issues with Kyrie and the whole team. And he's made their team worse.
0: Yeah, which shouldn't have happened. The team should have gotten better replacing D'Angelo Russell with, uh, pretty much just Kyrie Irving. Who else did they lose at all? I don't know. D'Angelo Russell. Did, did they lose anyone besides Russell? Uh, they lost Jared Dudley. That shouldn't break a team, even though Jared Dudley is actually pretty good this year. But yeah, so it's pretty. The Nets have been pretty uninspiring. I agree with you there. But so my real underperformer. You're not, you're really not going to like this one. You're really not going to like it. The Portland Trail Blazers. Portland Trail Blazers are 4-8, and and the Portland Trail Blazers are bad. The Portland Trail Blazers are going to miss the playoffs. The Portland Trail Blazers have only one good player, maybe one and a half good players on their team, because you want to know why? Why? CJ McCollum is washed. And here, I have the stats to back it up. So, the, number, the person who's played the most minutes in the league up to this point is Damian Lillard at 38 and a half. The person who's played the, sec, the second most minutes is Fred Van Vliet at 38.2. Who's played the third most? For the Blazers? No, in the, in the entire NBA. Who's this played is the, in the third, entire the third NBA, most minutes? In the entire NBA. McCollum. Yep, CJ McCollum. He's played 37.8 minutes. And so Lillard is actually playing at pretty much an MVP pace right now. He's, slashing, he's shooting 49.8% from the field, 39% from three, 91% from the line. Those are all great slash lines. Now, Sam, would those Damian Lillard slash lines be good if we subtracted 10% from every single one of them? Uh, no comment. Yeah, that's, t- that's <laughs> C.J. McCollum this year. He's Instead of shooting 50%, he's shooting 40%. Instead of shooting 39% from three, he's shooting 29%. And instead of shooting 91% of the line, he's shooting 80%. And so C.J. McCollum should play way fewer minutes. I think he should come off the bench. And he, honestly, they might. I think they're a year or two too late on trading him. He hasn't been that good recently at all. Like He was decent, I guess. Uh, against Denver when it really mattered in the Western Conference Semis last year, but before that he was underperforming. But here's the here's the one golden spot they have. Here's the one ray of sunshine. So Anthony Simons has only been playing twenty one minutes a game versus McCollum's thirty seven point eight, but he's slashing forty six percent from the field, thirty eight percent from three, and only seventy seven point eight percent from the line. And so he's taking a so per thirty six minutes. Um, which if you pretty much just like put them on the court, 36 minutes is how much like a good NBA, an NBA starter usually plays per game. So from the line, uh, so whatchamacallit, Damian Lillard is getting to the line 7.7 times per 36 minutes, which is really good. That's pretty good. CJ McCollum is getting to the line 2.7 times per 36 minutes. And, um, whatchamacallit and Anthony Simons is getting there the same amount. And so when C.J. McCollum is averaging 19 points a game with his 37 minutes, and Anthony Simons is averaging 19 points a game with his 21 minutes, and McCollum is not exactly known for his defensive skills, I think the answer is staring them in the face. It's a good thing they didn't trade Simons, but McCollum kind of sucks. So that's just what I think. I think they should trade McCollum or at least making the sixth man and make Simons a starter. And if not, and if McCollum doesn't recover soon, then that team is seriously in trouble. Yeah, um who's your fake underperformer? Who's not actually as bad as they seem? Take a guess. Or do you, or do you have some takes on Portland? No, take a guess. Take a guess. Um I want to go with This is it's not going to be the Golden State Warriors, but it would. I would love it. If it's it was the, the Portland,
1: Portland. Trail Blazers. Oh my god! <laughs> so here's why they are not really that bad. Tell me. They've played a tough schedule. They've had to play Denver, Dallas, San Antonio. Don't say it. The Clippers and the Raptors. Okay. They have. Okay. Like four. Even with McCollum struggling, they still are 12th ranked in in offense, and. They should be a
0: team that's 12th ranked in offense, though. They're, when,
1: when, they're percentage, when McCollum's percentages start rising, their team percentages rising. of 44.1 from the field and 35.8 from three should go up even more, which will probably put them in the top five in offense. Their defense is good, which is actually not, you know, would you expect Portland to be a good defensive team? I would not expect them to be a good defensive team. They are actually a good defensive They're They're actually a good defensive team. They are top 10 in opponents' field goal percentage and opponents' three point percentage. But the kicker is they allow the most free throws per game. They allow 28.3 free throws per game. So if they learn to stop fouling, then these losses that they're taking will, you know, turn to W's. Uh,
0: I'm not sure. I completely agree with that. I just. No, I mean, like, if you add up all of what I just said, I. I mean if that all happens so if their defense stays good if their offense can improve if their shooting numbers go up then maybe they'll contend for the 8th seed I've had them at the 8th seed um, in my season preview but at the same time they haven't really showed us much of anything at all the def- like the defense the defensive numbers they're not that exciting their their wings are really bad they're starting like what Kent Bazemore. They're he's starting Bing, Mario Bing, Hazonia.
1: Who is a former top, like, <laughs> 10 pick.
0: I love Mario Hazonia. He's the, the biggest bust in the league. I like, this my, side of Josh Jackson, Markel what Fultz. What are we talking
1: about? Noah Vonley, bigger bust. That's true. No one even Derek Williams, Noah. bigger bust.
0: Fine. Mario Hazonia, though. Like I could think of so many more busts. <laughs> Hazonia just has not been that good. Markel he, Fultz. Bust. How many of these guys are starting for an NBA roster that expects to compete for the playoffs? But that's the thing, he's not a bust. Fine, he's he I think he's a bust. I just he might not fine. He might not be as big of a it bust as like pre- Derrick Williams. Pretty sure
1: Hasoni was drafted in whichever the weakest in like that weak draft. Which one? The one where I think the best player was Lillard.
0: about that same draft? I think I think king of the McCollum draft.
1: I don't remember, but he he wasn't in a good draft. The Giannis last. draft?
0: I think mm-hmm. that was the Giannis draft class. Lillard, I think, was in the whatchamacallit draft class.
1: Lillard was in thirteen.
0: No, Lillard was in the cat draft class, I think. Or not cat. No, he was in the Davis class. Lill- Lillard
1: won Rookie of the Year in 2013.
0: I think Lillard was in the Davis draft class. Might have been. Yeah. But yeah, so I don't think his own in the draft. I think his own was might have been in the Anthony Bennett Giannis draft. It could be or no, no, he might have been in the Anthony in the Andrew Wiggins draft. I don't remember. But his own is not very good. Whiteside. So what Damian Lillard is really good at is running the pick and roll. Yes. What Hassan Whiteside is really bad at is running the pick and roll. Disagree. Have you seen it? Do you want me to pull up uh, Hassan Whiteside pick and roll numbers this year? Okay, but Hassan Whiteside has never really been good at that role. What he's good at is blocking shots and basically dunking the ball. But he Which is which is mainly created via the pick and roll. Yeah, but he's not good in he's not good as a screener. He's not good at rolling to the rim in the first place. That's, he's been fine. I don't know
1: how you can say that. He is literally like seven one, two seventy.
0: He's I don't know. I just have not seen him move very well. White season he's one. He's, Hassan Whiteside has kind of reminds me of Dwight Howard. But like he never was as good as Dwight Howard was when he was good. He was he's just reminds me of Dwight Howard when Dwight Howard was bad. He thinks he can post up, he can't really, he's overpaid, he definitely shouldn't have a starting spot on any team in the league. The fact that the Blazers are starting, I mean, I guess they should be starting CJ McCollum, but he's still shooting 29.8% from three and 40% from the field, and in 38 minutes a game, and they're also starting, like, Bazemore, who's starting for the terrible Hawks last year, and starting Mario Hezoni on us on Whiteside. That's not where you would want to be if you're a Blazers fan. I don't agree with the take that the Blazers are. aren't are as bad as they seem. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I want to be on the record as firmly anti-Blazers. All right. Three stars of the week. I got my underperformer. Not three stars of the week. All right. So this one, this one surprised me even a little bit. My team that I think has actually been under performing what they really how good they really are. Can you guess? Can you guess who it is? The Pelicans. That's who my first thought was when I looked at the team and I'm like, "Oh, they actually are that bad." Oh, <laughs> uh, the, god, the Hawks? No, it's in the it's in the Western Conference. The Kings? It's the Kings, the Sacramento Kings. Sacramento Kings are 4 and 1 in their last 5 games. The team is still like 4 and 8 or something like that. But at the same time, the things that are going on in Kings games, they lost to good teams, but they're also beating decent ones. And so here's something which might really surprise you. So the Kings in October, this, which doesn't surprise me, they're getting used to a new coach, Marvin Bagley, who I'm sure they were planning a lot of stuff around, had just gotten hurt. The team was in a little bit of disarray. They started out shooting 41% in, in October. They started out shooting, forty I think, their first five games, four, four or five games, 41% from the field, 33% from three still better than CJ McCollum, Um, they had an average of 20 assists a game and 18 turnovers a game, which is really not good. You don't want to have nearly as many turnovers as assists. But in November so far, they're shooting 48% from the field goal line, 41% from three. That's right. The Kings are shooting 41% from three in November with 23 assists per game and 15 turnovers per game, which is a much better one and a half assists per turnover ratio. And their net rating has been kind of a crazy difference. Their offense was really bad, unsurprisingly, in their first few games. They were uh, 97.2 offensive rating and 113.8 defensive rating. But now it's 116.3 uh, in November versus 108 in November uh, as far as their defensive rating goes. And wh- what's interesting is that you're the Kings. What do you expect to do when you have De'Aaron Fox your point guard? What's your offensive system going to look like? What did they do last year a lot?
1: Um, Honestly, I would... Hmm.
0: They were a team that ran a lot, right?
1: Well, I mean, yes, they they run a lot. They they run athletic sets.
0: Yes. Yeah. They're a team... They've, they have a lot of fast breaks. I heard an interview... I, know, I heard someone talking about what the Kings were doing last year. It was basically they just tried to have their guys in as best shape as possible, so they were always still ready to go in the end of games. But their pace has actually gone down. Their pace is actually kind of glacial in November, which is really impressive to me because Darren Fox isn't usually the kind of guard who can thrive in a half-court offense. He's usually better just, like, leading the break because he's just going to outrun everybody. But the Kings have slowed down the ball, slowed down their pace, which is sort of what, like, Luke Walton wants. And I think it's really helped the team. And so, yeah, they I think they're really turning it around, and it's really great to see the Kings actually, like, I don't know, do well, as well as we were hoping that they would do. All right. Do you want to move on to three stars of the week? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So my first star of the week is high... Uh, we already talked about this a bit with the Blazers, but people who, like, the high minutes per game players. Mm-hmm. And so these always scare me a little bit because you don't want to see teams depending so much on just two or three players at the beginning of a season because those guys might get tired and fall off. If you're depending too much on your starters... Then it's going to hurt you a lot more trying to replace them than just a depth guy in your roster. Who do you so? Two teams have five of the top seven players by minutes played per game. Can you guess who they are? You can probably guess the first one. Hold on, say that again. Two teams in basketball have five of the top seven players so far in minutes played per game.
1: Okay, one one's got to be the Lakers. No. Okay, one's got to be the Blazers.
0: Right. Blazers are one and three with Lillard and McCollum. Clippers. No. Okay, I, I need to get... Well, actually, no, it's probably... I shouldn't just keep guessing. Here's a hint. I mentioned a guy from one of those teams already when I was talking about Lillard and McCollum. Uh, yeah, no, I have no clue. It's the Toronto Raptors, and they have three guys in the top seven. They have Fred Van Vliet at 38 minutes per game. Fred Van Vliet. He's good, but he's not that good. They have Pascal Siakam at 36.2, and they have Kyle Lowry at 36.2. That's kind of nuts. They have two point... Just like the Blazers, they have two point guards playing that many minutes and Siakam also playing that many minutes. I think that might get them in a little trouble later on this season because right now the Raptors are the third best team in the Eastern Conference. They've been really impressive so far, but I'm a little worried that they're not actually, I don't know, as deep as we were hoping they are. So the Raptors could definitely end up in a much lower spot than they are right now. I think they're, they just might be overperforming a bit. Unless Pascal Siakam is legit, in which case that's I mean, great. he is
1: legit, but I still don't think the bench is that good. They trade away DeLon Wright for, uh, who was it? I don't even know. Yeah, but they trade away a lot of their bench guys. Yeah. Obviously, they lost Kawhi. So.
0: I don't think you can rely on Fred Van Vliet for 38 minutes a game and really hope it goes well. That's kind of putting your team in a bit of a bind. Because, again, he's Fred Van Vliet. He— can be great, but he can also disappear for a long time. And he's I don't know, he's not a star point guard. So that worries me a little bit, just looking at the Raptors. All right. This is what the podcast has all been leading to. So the other night I was looking at some stats for prep for the podcast. I have an
1: idea of what you're going to say. Like I have a but it's a wild guess. I'm okay. not gonna say it, but I'll tell okay. you if it matches. Okay,
0: so and I was look so Tristan Thompson has been doing really well this year. And I thought, this guy m- might be a target for the Rockets because like, he's actually been averaging a double-double every game. He seems to be playing hard. He and Kevin Love has this crazy pick-and-roll working. And I thought he might be a great guy to bring off the bench like after Capella. And so I was looking at to see who's averaging the most rebounds in the league. And this kind of shocked me, but then I realized someone was averaging 16 rebounds per game. I was like, <laughs> who could that be? So I look, and it's Andre Drummond. But then I look at how many points Andre Drummond is averaging, and he's averaging ni- he's averaging 16.8 rebounds and 19.9 points per game this season. Okay, so I thought, that doesn't make any sense. That's nuts. There's got to be like some historical precedent for that, and there is a historical precedent for that. It's been done 40 different times in a season. I'm going to read you the list of people who have done it. Okay, I know one has to be
1: Moses Malone. You're right. One is Moses Malone. One has to be uh
0: Rodman never got that high in points, did he? No, I don't know. I'll, I just looked on I went to baseball reference. Uh, baseball basketball reference. Basketball <laughs> reference. Baseball reference might not help you with that. I looked up to see who would ever average nineteen points and sixteen rebounds over the course of a season. And so Is Kevin I, Love one of them? I'm gonna I'm gonna read you this list. Oh, okay. You've got Kareem, you've okay. got Walt Bellamy a few times, you have Elgin um, Baylor, Yeah. you have Wilt. Many times. You have Dave Cowens once. You have Davy Cowdog. You have Elvin Hayes. You have Jerry Lucas. Sure. What? You have Moses. Oh, 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 oh. Nick's Jerry Lucas. Okay. Yeah. You have Moses Malone. You have Bob Pettit. And you have Nate Thurmond. But then I realized something else. When, the last yeah, time to... that this was done was in the 1978 to 1979 season. This hasn't been done. What Andre Drummond has been doing now hasn't been done in 41 years. Andre Drummond is a legitimate throwback to the days of Wilt Chamberlain. Isn't that what? nuts? No. Wait, what? Andre Drummond, Wilt Chamberlain same person? Is Andre Drummond only like 25, 26 years old? Yes. Andre Drummond is doing something that hasn't been done in 41 years. That like the fact that James Harden is averaging 38 points a game, Pshaw! I guess nobody's done that since Wilt, but whatever. That we can ignore. But Drummond... Andre Drummond isn't a superstar. Andre Drummond is just, you know, Andre Drummond. And yet he's averaging 19 and 16 per game. Insane to see. Like, the three-point shot didn't exist the last time that somebody uh, has is doing what Andre Drummond has been doing. Like, also,
1: if you watched Andre
0: Drummond, you wouldn't notice that it's here. Exactly. Like, this is, I guess, the kind of thing that was normal when you just didn't have that many tall guys on the court. There are... A heavy amount of tall guys in the NBA right now. There are a lot of athletic guys who are getting rebounds in the NBA right now and scoring points, but he's doing something that hasn't been done in 41 years. Andre Drummond this year has taken eight three-point shots. Fricked them all. All right, that's that was my number two. What, what were you predicting
1: for that? Uh, I don't want to say my prediction because it was very off and not right at all. <laughs> what was it? I was going to say, did, has Andre Drummond played half of his team's minutes? <laughs>
0: Now, Andre Drummond is just doing something historic, and we're watching it unfold in plain view. All right. And so I do have a, like, a little smorgasbord of some stats. Shabazz Napier is playing at the fastest pace in the league right now. Russ is at number two, which is funny to see because Shabazz Napier has sucked. He's shooting like 30%. <laughs> 30% from the field. Brandon Ingram is uh, shooting five catch-and-shoot threes per game and making 51% of them. Yeah, that, in, that, that I did know. In crazy stats. Um, the lineup, of all lineups that have played more than 10 minutes, the one that's got the best three-point percentage has Boban Marjanovic in it. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It's Luka, uh, Kleber, DFS, Seth Curry, and Boban, which is nuts. It's 9% more than anybody else. And But wait a minute. Was Porzingis in that lineup? No. Oh, okay.
1: Porzingis was not in that lineup. No, 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 because no, I no it was it, I was curious for a different reason. I was like, are they playing Marjanovic, Kleber, and Porzingis all at the same time?
0: <laughs> that would be so amazing. <laughs> would it you could have a Boban, Kleber, Luca, KP, and do you have another like European guy there? Just gonna like get Dirk off of like, I don't know, the bench like the stands or something uh, like that? I'm trying to think. Uh have JJ s- Barea. If you put Dirk in there, though, you'd have five, six foot nine plus white guys from Europe on the line on the team at the same time. But anyway, um, so but I was looking at the two best lineups in the league, and I think that the Bucks and the Rockets might be the two best teams in basketball. What? So the two so of the lineups that have played over a hundred minutes, the two best in the league are the Blazers lineup. With the usual suspects uh, Bledsoe, Middleton. The Blazers with what? Well, not the Blazers. Sorry. I was looking at someone's name and it looks like Blazers, but it's not. You'll see. I was looking at. So the Bucks. Wouldn't be the first time that Bledsoe's name was yeah. correctly. Um... <laughs> no, it was Brooke Lopez. Oh. B Lopez. But so Wes Matthews, Eric Bledsoe, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, and Giannis. They ha- their net rating uh, is. On offense is 113.7 and a great 91.2 on defense. But do you know what an even better defensive lineup is? James Harden, Daniel House, Daniel House, PJ Tucker, PJ Tucker, Clint Capella, and uh, Ralston Rivers, Russell Westbrook. Same thing. That lineup is 110 offensive rating and an 88.3 defensive rating. That lineup has the number one pace of all lineups in the league that have played more than 40 minutes. That doesn't entirely surprise
1: me because I, I think Daniel House is very underrated. He went to A&M. He was part of that uh insane uh insane collapse. comeback against what, Northern Iowa? Yeah, it was a collapse, not a comeback. Fine. But... And he just nails every three he shoots. It seems like he's going to be P.J. Tucker when he's older.
0: I hope so. Oh God! I, would, I, I could I could hope so. It, it's
1: another instance of the Rockets signing literally, literally the same exact player twelve times over, <laughs> and just they had them twelve out. iterations. We've had so we've had Corey Brewer. We've yeah. had. Lou will Lou Williams. We've had Eric Gordon. We've had Gerald Green. Trevor Ariza. Trevor Ariza. They made
0: Josh Smith good at shooting threes for a yeah, season. Yeah, that that or was for a
1: game. They had <laughs> Ryan Anderson. I guess that's not that's not that's not his, his defense is horrible. They got House Daniel House. They had P.J. Tucker. They have Ben Lap Mclemore now, who's actually okay. Well, decent. no,
0: no, he's not. No, Ben Lap is all right this year. But anyway, so I was really impressed just to see like how good those lineups are doing. And especially because the Rockets had the 27th uh, best pace in the league last year, which is pretty embarrassing seeing as how they are one of the best teams in the league as far as pace goes this season. And I think that really is the missing element that Daryl Moore is for. Wait, what are for. you talking about? Of
1: course their pace was horrible. Harden dribbled out the shot clock every single possession.
0: The only player they really replaced, though, is CP3 with Russell Westbrook. Obviously, Russell Westbrook has the second yeah, fastest pace in the entire I league mean, like, this season. Chris
1: Paul is not this yeah. as fast as... Like, I think...
0: It's easy to see why more of these things are Yeah, It's easy to see that. Russell Westbrook made a three last night. Did you catch the Rockets game last night? No, I was studying and watching Celtics. Okay, the Rockets played the Clippers last night. Oh, that game. Blew them out in the first quarter. They held the Clippers to 14 in the first quarter. Clippers make a comeback. The Rockets come roaring back. James Harden locks down Kawhi, steals the ball, and throws an alley-oop while Kawhi is trying to guard him. To Tyson, uh, behind the back, I'll leave Tyson Chandler to seal the game. Harden hit an insane amount of step back threes, scored forty seven points. James Harden, Giannis has been doing well this year. Giannis has been putting up even like even crazier stats than he did last year. But James Harden wants his MVP back. Mm, he's and not I've, gonna get it back. I've got some stats for you. Luca's better. First of all, Luca's stats are worse than Giannis's, and because Giannis is actually like doing what, like 30, Giannis is like 30, 14, and 6 or something crazy like that. Harden is 38.2, 5.5, and 8, which is kind of crazy. Harden is averaging 38.2 points per game after everyone was like, well, last year was just an aberration. There's no way he can do it again. People were thinking Steph Curry might win MVP by, oh, averaging 31 or even 32 points a game. James Harden is averaging 38, and it could be better. Can you believe that? So, if you so James Harden right now is shooting 41% from the field, 31.8% from three, and 88.7% from the line. If you bring James Harden's three um, shooting stats from last year to replace the two pointers and the three pointers, do you know who, how many points he'd be averaging? 42. Exactly 40 points a game. That was close. If James Harden averages 40 points this year for the first time, He would be the only person who's done that, besides Will Chamberlain, the only person in NBA history to average 40 points a game for a full season. You you have to give him the MVP, right? Even if Giannis keeps going with his 30-14-6, even if Luka averages (laughs) 30-10-10, which is crazy to think about, but he's one point and one assist away from that. You know, one, one, one point and one assist away from that, but... James Harden is the be- and Giannis on Antetokounmpo are the two best players in basketball right now. Change my mind. Meh, meh. Who's better? No,
1: I'm. Not, I'm saying meh. Like I really don't have an answer.
0: Rank your top six for me.
1: Ten, top six right now, NBA. Do they do they have to KD be healthy? KD doesn't count. Okay, I was about to say do they have to be healthy. That's why I took. That's why I said six, not seven. What? But do they have to be hel- healthy? Yes. Top six. Uh, one, I would go Kawhi Leonard. Okay. Two, I would go Giannis. Actually,
0: you know what? Steph can count.
1: No, I'm not going to count him. Fine.
0: Don't don't. Three,
1: count I would say is LeBron. Four is Harden. Five is Paul George. Paul Six. Paul George? Yes. Okay, I guess he's not healthy. Sorry. Five he's is... Healthy. No, he's not.
0: You'd put pick Paul George over Anthony Davis?
1: Yes. Really? I would... Mm, Anthony Davis
0: also has an MVP cases here, because why not?
1: He's not even the best he player. He's, the other he's day. not the best player on his own team. You can't yeah, win the MVP if you're not the best player on your own team.
0: I guess that's sort of like the Katie and Steph, you can't vote for both of them kind of thing, where none of them won, even though they both they had great years for all three years.
1: Neither neither Davis nor LeBron's going to win an MVP in the near future.
0: I think Davis has a chance. Yeah, do you know LeBron is averaging the most assists in the league? Yes. LeBron James is averaging the most assists in the league. That's... Yeah, Malcolm
1: Brogdon's close, though.
0: That's true. Malcolm Brogdon, secret superstar right now. Is Malcolm Brogdon the next uh, Pascal Siakam? He's a former Rookie of the Year. That's true. But he's... or Honestly, is he the next Victor Oladipo? I could see it. He's the kind of... It's hilarious that's happening on the Pacers. I don't know if the Pacers, like, have a special system or something, or they're just getting lucky. But Brogdon is... Basically doing what Oladipo was doing before he got hurt. Yeah. Which is kind of nuts to see. And he's he already was a great defender. Very, very smart player. Now he's just knocking down threes, running through the offense. I really like what I'm seeing from the Pacers, which surprises me a lot.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know. You got anything else in there? Any more stats?
1: Not really. Um, yeah.
0: What are we going to talk about? Anything we got to talk about before we go? Now hey. we're,
1: at, we're like we're at like exactly an hour right now.
0: All right, any college football stuff going on? Uh, Chase Young got Chase suspended, suspended for the Rutgers game, which is probably good for Rutgers health, since he would probably break the quarterback in half yeah. and get twelve sacks.
1: That's not a stretch at all, actually. Like, yeah, Jesus
0: Christ. And James Wiseman suspended indefinitely. Yeah, I would you hate to see the future uh, Warriors draft pick James Wiseman get suspended? Yeah. And I don't know. I think we've all accepted that the Warriors are the Warriors just... are literally going to tank. They're going to
1: get a good draft pick, and then they're going to become great again.
0: Yeah, because Clay is going to come back, and Steph is going to come back, plus like the mellow baller James Wiseman or something like that. Because why not? Why not? I don't know. You know what? I I for one welcome the incoming Warriors. I uh, actually new do Warriors too. Diamond I feel Dynasty. like that's cool.
1: Yeah, how they how they can do it.
0: Yeah, just be the Spurs. They have Steph and Clay and Draymond under contract for each of them for the next four years. I want to see it. I want to see them. I want to see more good teams in the Western Conference because right now the top of the Western Conference— uh, We have
1: breaking news here. Oh, we do. Will Smith is on the Braves. Will Smith? Reliever. Okay. Giants, not... Former Giants reliever. Will Smith has gone to the Braves on a three-year, $39 million deal with the 2023 option, club option for $13 million. You know and also, what? Jake Odorizzi accepted the qualifying offer.
0: The second news has not surprised me. First news does a little bit. Really? i kind of hoping the Astros will get him. But I also didn't think they'd get him because he was going to be a little too expensive. Because he, had, he had that QO attached. But we'll talk more about free agency next time. Hopefully, we actually see some signings. I don't know. We saw one. And, yeah. We'll talk about them next week. Until now, until then, I don't know where the stack has or something. <laughs>
1: That's definitely getting kept in.
0: See you guys. (laughs) All right, and welcome to the newest episode of the StatCast. With me and Sam Greeman. we are going to talk about some crazy stuff that's happening in basketball right now, including some early award award races talk. But I think you and I both know we need to talk about the most important story the NBA has seen all year. The end is near, folks. Yeah. So, you know the um, rip that opened up in the space-time continuum when the Chicago Cubs won the World Series in 2016? Right. We have absolute proof that that's real. Mm -hmm. Do you want to know? Sam, what happened last night? Ben Simmons was going... um, He
1: was about to, you know, go inside the three-point line, which is, you know, where he belongs.
0: Yeah, he belongs within five feet of the rim because Ben Simmons is a big man, apparently.
1: And then I guess, like, he got... Distracted thinking of one of the Jenner sisters and just, you know, stopped and went stopped back. Stuck at the corner. Yeah, stuck in the corner. Got the ball passed to him. Shot it from 22 plus feet away. From the three-point line, yeah. one might even say. From behind the three-point line. Yeah, this shot constitutes being worth three points. That's And it that... dropped through that ra- that round 18-inch diameter cylinder.
0: Ben Simmons, for the first time, he's... In the NBA. I don't know how long Ben Simmons is he's still a rookie, right? He's still the guy's rookie. He's still already. a rookie, probably. Ben Simmons shot his eighteenth NBA three last night. And he made his first one. I think that's a cause for celebration. I don't know what else we can do besides just celebrate that with I don't know, parties. Um sort of just raves, I guess. Uh drinking, celebration. It's the end of the world as we know it. I feel fine. Ben Simmons hit a three pointer.
1: So, yes, welcome back to the StatCast. Um, yeah, Ben Simmons hit a three, and we can't really call him a coward anymore.
0: Yeah, Ben Simmons, who has the most broken shot in the NBA this side of Markel Fultz. Oh, wait, is that the Markel Fultz who's also shooting three-pointers this year and making them?
1: Well, one, I still don't know if we'll ever know the story behind why what happened to Markel Fultz.
0: Yeah, we really won't. He was so good in college. Like, you watch those highlight tapes, they remind you of James Harden at Arizona State in college, and we know who James Harden is right now. But Markel Fultz has been decent this year, and that's kind of what we wanted to talk about. We wanted to talk about some surprise stories this year and also some people who aren't that surprising that they are who they are. Let's start with the person who we're really not that surprised who he is what he is. And let's talk about Luka Doncic, who got a 22-5-5 and In the first quarter, the first quarter against the Warriors last night, he outscored the Warriors in the first quarter. He out rebounded the Warriors in the first quarter and he out assisted the Warriors in the first quarter in a game in which he became the only player to get a 35 point triple double in less than 25 minutes played as the Mavericks blew out the Warriors by like 60 points.
1: It's also his third straight triple-double.
0: Yeah, and the last triple-double that he got was a 40-point triple-double, which and he became the second youngest player ever to have a 40-point triple-double after only LeBron James. So He
1: also only played 25 minutes in this game.
0: I know. He was the, he's the first player ever to do that, to get a 35-point triple-double in that little amount of t- playing time. Isn't that nuts?
1: Considering it's Luka
0: Doncic, not really. So... People. Some people were all in on Luca when he was about to get drafted. Some people. Like me. I was also all in on Luca. Some people were a little more skeptical. They're like, uh, oh, he might not be that athletic." <laughs> he's white. Um. He's not white. He's, he's European. Well, aren't white people?
1: Uh, 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 so we're gonna we're gonna go with blanket statements now, are we?
0: <laughs> I don't. Isn't that where white people? N- never and, mind. Uh... <laughs> yeah, so know. anyway, Luka is the Slovenian LeBron James, apparently. So he got he got drafted. He was the MVP of the Euro League at 18 years old, which means that in a league full of just like a bunch of I don't know, like not has been, but it's a bunch of guys who couldn't quite hack it at the NBA level. He was the best out of all of them as an 18 year old superstar, incredible basketball IQ, could pass his way out of uh, could pass his way out of like a quintuple team if he really needed to and also just dominated the boards. Luka Doncic did not get picked first overall. DeAndre Aiden did. He did not get picked second overall, which I think blew my mind and I assume yours. And then the third team traded out of being able to draft him to get Trey Young, which is pretty good. Bagley was two, right? Bagley was two. Aiden one, Bagley two, Luka three to the Mavs. As a Rockets fan, I... Never really liked the Mavs, but now I kind of do because Luca's on the team. Let's talk about Luca in the NBA and what he's been able to do.
1: Yes. Yeah, so this season, he is averaging 29.9 points, 10.6 rebounds, 9.4 assists. Second in the NBA in assists. Yep. Four, 48.6 from the field, thir- almost 34 from three on nine attempts a game, mm-hmm. 1.4 steals. The best plus minus in the league right now at 13 and a half. Wow. And the only other player to ever average 29 points, 10 rebounds, and 9 assists in their second season in the NBA was Oscar Robertson.
0: Which is insane. So that means Luka is already among historical company?
1: Yeah. I mean, he he pretty much was when as a rookie.
0: Yeah. Luka as a rookie just came into the league and it was like, oh, yeah, this is even easier than the Euro League it seems. And so he dominated... Uh, He slowed down a bit at the end of the season, not that surprising, considering he played almost 100 games the year before. But he still won Rookie of the Year over over a spirited uh, second-half attempt by Trey Young. And this year, instead of settling for being the best second-year guy in the NBA, he's trying to become the best guy in the NBA. And I think he's right in the thick of the MVP race. Yep, I think so. Yeah, he's probably, um, I would say, what? Top three, top four right now. You always want a new guy in the MVP race. That's
1: why I, I have him as as my MVP right now, just because he's new new blood.
0: Yeah. I think James Harden is having a better season. I think Giannis and LeBron might be having better seasons. But other than that, it's got to be Luka. He's a top ten guy. Yeah. Which is crazy to see right now. I think on the last pod we talked about, like, is Luka Doncic a top ten player in the NBA right now? And now the question is, is he a top Five guy in the NBA right now. Is he a top one player in the NBA is right now? Is he Luka Doncic the best player in the NBA right now? Because first of all, we're probably going to be barring like some freak injury or insane regression, we're probably going to be seeing Luka for the next fifteen years as one of as like Dallas's hero, and he seems like a young LeBron. Basically, the question was when he was coming in was is he like fat Steph? Thick Steph, sorry. Or tall James Harden. Because he ha- had incredible, like, potential for that step back three. The step back that he has is really, like, Harden-like or maybe even, like, it's Harden-like, career, like, but, it's, but it's legal. James Harden's step back are legal every single time. I don't know what you're talking about. But I think Luka it might be the, like, European version of LeBron because Steph Curry and James Harden have... Maybe Steph for a season, maybe Harden for a season. Have never really been the best player in the NBA for like I don't know, four or five year stretch. They've been in the conversation, but it's never been like, yeah, that's probably the guy you have at number one.
1: I think the Durant season when he won MVP, I think he Durant was definitely the best player that year.
0: Yeah, like the only players who I really would say is the possible that that's oh that's the best player in the NBA we're watching right now. I think you've had LeBron and you've had KD. And Giannis and Kawhi, the same way that Harden and Steph have been trying to come for it, have tried to come for that title. Well, I
1: think Steph in 2016 was the best player in the NBA.
0: That's quite quite possible. But I mean, and Harden for the past few years might might have been the best player in the NBA. But if you're ranking them, you probably end up with LeBron. The question is, after LeBron trails off, which you assume he's gonna start doing at one point, at some point, right? Mm. LeBron James seems to be the terminator. Is Luka the next guy who's going to be the best guy in the league? That's my question for you.
1: Yeah, I I mean I think he matches up I think he lines up well with even the Oscar Robertson in comparison to how me more. he was. Well, I th- I think first of all, he can lead an offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, aside from the stats, he
0: can lead an offense. He can He's been leading the best offense in the league that the, Mav- that the Mavs have right now. Mm. Right uh, now, opi- uh, my opinion. Right is, now, it's number one bio rating. Yes. Okay.
1: I that does that doesn't surprise me because yes, they have a very good offense. But yeah. I wouldn't say they're the best offense in the league when I watch them. Even, That's fair. Even even though they have definitely top three offense. Yeah. But his plus minus thirteen point five is the best of anybody this year.
0: He's rated number two by 538's Raptor stats, which is kind of like war, but for basketball. So wins by replacement. So he's at like a 538 always
1: makes these nice, uh, you know...
0: They're concise, they're understandable, they're easy to visualize. And they
1: make fun names for them. They have the Draymond stat for uh, defense.
0: Yeah, they used to be called the Carmelo. Yeah,
1: the Carmelo ratings for teams.
0: Yeah. And so now James Harden's number one at 4.0, which is nuts. James Harden is a cheat code and we're gonna be thinking about him for way longer than anyone right now thinks. But Luca's number two. Yeah. Yeah. And he might not be Harden is James Harden is averaging what, like, thirty eight points a game right now. And but at the same time, Luca is also putting up the consistent numbers night after night that Harden became known for and that LeBron James became known for back when he was in Cleveland. And Luca in the same way that LeBron kind of dragged that Cavs team kicking and screaming, which really wasn't all that talented. In a year where KP has really gotten off to a slow start, Luka's really impressed because right now, in what should be a five-team race for the best team in the West, the Mavs have seriously inserted for themselves in the conversation, along with the two L.A. teams, the Rockets, the Nuggets, and the Jazz. And you'll remember that I said that, that they would be... You did say that. Yeah. So I think I'm eating my words because I don't know if I even had the Mavs in the playoffs. But right now it looks like the Mavs are definitely going to be a playoff team and a contender to make really make some noise, especially if KP has room to improve. Yeah, I think I th- I think it's a fair assessment. And yeah. the, and the thing is,
1: yeah, I I think his three point percentage can go up. He's at thirty three point six this year. I think it can definitely go up. I he's capable of being even a 38, 39%, which would yeah. make him just even all all that much better.
0: The question is I don't know if it rises that much at this year, but I think it's the kind of thing where in the playoffs he can turn it on. He can go up to like one extra notch and suddenly he's I don't know. If you were watching the the what the Warriors Mavs game last night, at the end of the third quarter, Luka hits th- like three or four just step back 27 footers in a row. And it was unbelievable to watch. I think the last seven or eight baskets in that quarter, he either scored or assisted on them. Yeah, it was nuts. So the, they won the quarter forty-four to sixteen. The Warriors are bad. Yeah, And the Mavs are good. I guess that's and then the, the best Warriors.
1: Ball. And then the Warriors next year are going to get a top pick, and they're going to they're
0: you know, <laughs> of course the Warriors next year are going to have like Steph, Dre, Clay, plus like James Wiseman. James or Wiseman, something. yeah, Le, or Lamelo Ball. I, yeah. Honestly, yeah, sure. LaMelo... Sure. they. W- we're not t- really talking about draft stuff right now, but if we were, the Warriors need a guy who can like, and plug and play, and James Wiseman isn't that
1: guy. Yeah, LaMelo ball, you could definitely just plug and play. In exactly.
0: You're fans. just like, oh yeah, uh, LaMelo, uh, you're going to stretch the floor by like 30 feet, so Steph will have even wider lanes. But anyway, I don't even want to think about that. But anyway, um, so... We also have a few other guys who are going for the MVP race right now. We've got James Harden, we've got LeBron, we've got Giannis. Do you have anything you want to share about what they've been able to do this year?
1: Yeah, so LeBron right now is shooting 49 from the field, 35% from three, and 71 from the free throw line, Mm -hmm. eight rebounds, leads the league in assists with
0: 11.1. LeBron has actually turned into the point guard he told everyone he would be, which is really crazy to see.
1: And he is in his 17th season and I'm going to go, just stick with me here. I want you to try to name a player that has averaged tw- 20 points, 10 assists, and 7 rebounds in their 17th season or later. Okay, the only possibilities that I'm thinking. Wrong, it's just LeBron. How about 20 <laughs> points, 9 assists, and 6 rebounds? Korean. Nope. it's LeBron, still just LeBron. How about 28 and 5? 28 LeBron. <laughs> How about tw- how about 27 and 4?
0: 27, 1, and 4. Hmm? 27
1: what and 4? Uh, No, 20.7 re- seven oh, assists and 4 rebounds.
0: 27
1: and 4? Stockton? No, just LeBron. Uh, 20.6 <laughs> rebounds, 3 assists. LeBron? Nope, just LeBron and Kobe. Okay. Kobe? Kobe wow. and it, Kobe, and Kobe in the 2012- 2013 season. Was that the
0: year it. before he tore his Achilles? Or the year he tore his Achilles? It,
1: it might have been the year in between his Achilles tear and his shoulder thing. Oh. But yeah. And that's lowering his points per game this season by five, his assists by five, and his rebounds by five.
0: That's insane to think about. Yeah. LeBron James is superhuman, I think. He hasn't really been in conversation with the MVP of the last couple of years, but this year, people thought that, oh, LeBron might defer a little bit to AD because AD's got young legs. LeBron might like take a step back similar to how he did last season, which... He got his numbers, but it didn't seem like he was trying. But no, the Lakers have the best record in basketball. They have the best point differential in basketball by a relatively significant amount over anyone besides the Bucks, especially over anyone in the Western Conference. And they look like the team to beat in basketball right now. Would you say as much?
1: Yeah, I, I don't like to admit it. I still think the Celtics are actually making a case for the best team in the East. Tell me more about that. So this, the Celtics right now when they're healthy, have the best offense, I believe. What, what do you mean you believe? They have They've been on a run. Before the Clippers game, before the Clippers game, they have been scoring like 130-plus per game. They've been letting up a lot of points, but a lot of those points have been in garbage time. And so... You, and their, four, their fourth quarter, they they have the best fourth quarter offense mm-hmm. and actually team in the league. Really? Yes. And they're able to compete with all teams, as you saw last night. They were, you know... They went
0: toe-to-toe with the Clippers.
1: Yeah. They went toe-toe with the Clippers with a full Clippers team. For the first time all year. Yes. And the Clippers were no slouch. They had contributions for everybody, and it was still a three-point game. And the Celtics were just, you know, one, either Kemba three or Tatum three away from sending it to another overtime.
0: Yeah, they, it really was a close game. I mean, so the Celtics are winning. You think they're actually going to come pull it off, but then the Clippers go on their 10-0 run yeah. to take the lead. But then Jason Tatum, who is how many years old is he? Uh, 17. Jason Tatum as a 14-year-old uh, yep. high school freshman mm-hmm. just roast Paul George, puts him on the floor, and then hits a step-back three over him. To tie the game in 97 and send it into overtime. Which is impressive considering he's only a three-year-old toddler. I know. Jason Tatum, has he been born? I don't know. Maybe. Was it yesterday? Maybe. Jason Tatum, actually born yesterday. Yeah. But so uh, that was a really good game to watch. It's one of the best yeah. games I've seen this season besides the fact that there wasn't that much scoring. both teams, Relatively. but Both teams kind of were missing a lot of shots. There were a lot of turnovers it seemed like but it was a really fun game to watch
1: it also says a lot about the Celtics defense they were they were able to hold you know that lineup of Lou Williams um Paul George and Kawhi Leonard.
0: Yeah. Montrez Harrell has yeah. been one of the best players in the NBA this season by Raptor. Yeah. And Kawhi obviously has been right up there. And Paul George has been great since coming back. Lou Will was great. Patrick Beverly hit a clutch three in overtime. He
1: was all over the place, Beverly on yeah. offense and defense. But at the same time, Marcus Smart played quite a Mar- game. Marcus Smart might be the most underrated player on offense. Did he have
0: he had no turnovers, I think.
1: He might I think that, he, that I, might be true. I think but, they said on the broadcast. But, like, the thing is, everybody thinks of him as, like, you know, just a defensive guy who's going to go out for a loose ball. Yeah. His three-point percentage keeps going up. His He looks more polished as an offensive player than he ever has.
0: He's willing to just pull up and take
1: he's, a three if he thinks he can make it. And I will, yeah and, you know, three years ago, that would have been a, you know, one in four chance that it would have gone in. Yeah. But he's— Shooting the, in the 30s this season. Yeah. It's and really impressive. It's impressive. I think he's might be the most underrated player, if not... He, he's definitely the most underrated offensive player, if not the most underrated you know overall player in the league.
0: Really? Yeah. Well, we talked about this on the pod last week. I said that the Celtics were going to have an interesting road test, and so far, it's been really close. Each game they've played has come down to the final minutes. They... I, in... I
1: disagree with that. I, the Wizards game, the that... We... Not the Wizards game, the West Coast road trip. Oh, the West... Okay, yeah. The
0: West Coast road trip where they played the Kings, the Warriors, and... I guess the Warriors game didn't come quite down to the last minute, but it was a relatively close game.
1: Oh, my God. The Kings game. The Ki- oh Yeah, the Kings game, the Warriors game, the Celtics game. That was heartbreaking. Game.
0: Yeah. So, the Celtics are one and two on this road trip, but they also could very easily be a three and now if a few other things had gone their way.
1: If the ball didn't roll off the rim on, in the Kings game, yeah. Yeah.
0: That was kind of a shame, but also... I don't know. I predicted the Kings would have a bit of a resurgence, and it seems like they kind of have. The Kings, yeah, the Kings like their streak is still going, they're right now just one—they're just one game out of the playoffs right now. So, I think you love you love to see something like that. But anyway, back to the Celtics. So they've had a close road trip. They're going to play the Nuggets on Friday night. The Rockets, who I might have said are the best team in the league, just or at least in contention for—they're like, in contention. They're I definitely don't... in contention for that.
1: I don't think that you could get many people to say that they're definitively the best team in the league, but I do think that if you talk that's about fair. top, you know, if you talk finals contenders, then I think there's no way you can't bring the Rockets up as a finals contender.
0: I agree with that. The Rockets right now have, they have the most points per game in the league right now. Even, but yeah, just, it, it doesn't surprise you. It doesn't surprise me, but at the same time, they have one of the worst. They have the only, uh, what call it? Defense in the league that's giving up more than. 110 points a game, or more than technically 110.3 points a game, that's in, I don't know, really finals contention in either league. Yeah, And so that's because the Rockets have upped their pace from near the bottom last year to top three this year, which is unsurprising because they switched out Chris Paul, who's kind of of the James Harden ilk, pound the ball into the ground and run a half-court offense every time to the Russell Westbrook makes a little bit of Daniel House of just the run and gun and just try to make a bunch of shots and try to go in transition. And that's sort of what we saw in another great matchup last night, which was Nuggets-Rockets, which is another matchup of two of the top teams in the league and going up against each other. Nikola Jokic had his best night of the season, I think. He led the team in scoring and hit some really clutch threes, but the Rockets just, their shots weren't falling. And I think this might have been the first game all season that they scored under 100 points.
1: Which it's it's it was very weird because Harden went eight for sixteen.
0: Yeah. Harden Harden still scored uh twenty seven points and sixteen shots, which is fine. It's just that most of the shots weren't falling all game for them. And the Nuggets played to their credit, played some really good defense on the Rockets. When the Rockets were trying to get in the lane on transition opportunities, they made sure to get bodies on there. Jokic really did hustle a lot more than we've seen lately, which was nice to see. And so but also, it was a game in Denver, and Denver is famous for having some of the best home court advantage yeah. in the entire NBA. And you could hear it on the Rockets. Their fans were going nuts I, the whole game. I think
1: ma- the main problem for the Rockets is they, they didn't get a lot of shots off. They only had 76 shots. Oh, really? They only they only attempted 76 field goals.
0: What was the turnover differential on that?
1: Um, They turned it over 20 times. The Nuggets only turned it over 14.
0: Yeah, that's another big issue. What, what about the transit? Whatchamacallit, points off turnovers?
1: Points off turnovers. Undecided. Undecided? I don't know. Does, stupid box, box store doesn't have it. Uh,
0: this is like the 22-minute mark. Um, points off turnovers. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Do they not have... Oh, yeah. Okay, so the the Rockets actually had thir- 32 points. So I guess the Rockets did have more points. Off turnovers, they had 32 to the Nuggets, 17. Is that right? It can't be right. That, I mean, main... It must be the opposite.
1: It must be like point... Yeah.
0: Yeah, so... I don't know. But anyway, the Nuggets outscored them by a bunch in the paint. It seemed like the Rockets weren't that willing to drive to the rim, which... Because they shot 30, they shot half of their shots. Yeah. Literally half of their shots were three point shots. Well, not that much more than a quarter of the Nuggets' shots were three point shots. And they made a relatively similar amount of those. The Rockets got to the line more. But at the same time, the Nuggets were just shooting better from inside the paint. And that's something which I think it's a little bit of a theory of mine for the Rockets. It's, you know, how. When most teams are trying to make a comeback, when they tr- they just try shooting a bunch of threes.
1: Yeah, that's the Rockets' that's, offense.
0: That's really the Rockets' M.O. But the Rockets, <laughs> this is, whenever the Rockets need to turn it around, I think they need to shoot mid-range shots. The
1: Rockets need to shoot shots that... You mean the most inefficient shot in the game? The
0: Rockets need to shoot the most inefficient shot in the game to get back in games, just to make sure they can do it. Because they're like... I think that's what kind of the mid range serves as because it's a shot that people can kind of dependably hit, but also you're not likely to be as well covered as you might be when you're trying to drive into the lane. And so this is something you might, that like, could be very interesting to research, although it might be kind of hard, but over like how much sort of rallies change over like, I don't know, like a, a midpoint shot or like a mid range shot or something like that. Because it seems like when the Rockets like it, that's what happens a lot in Rockets games. If they're shooting and missing a bunch, then those seem to happen in bunches. Oh for twenty seven, I mean, and so yeah. Man, I still can't believe. You. I don't know
1: why people do this. They're the the they're fans of the teams that like blew it. Like I have felt so many Falcons fans that bring up twenty to three so often. Like, yeah. why do you bring it
0: up? Why do you talk to yourself? Uh, I don't know why I bring up over for twenty seven. It's like. It's something that you can't even wrap your head around because it's so nuts. I was talking to somebody today, and I was about the UT versus OU versus Texas Tech debacle of college football in 2008. Yeah, the the Crabtree game. Wow. And I don't know why I talk about this kind of stuff, but it's like, yeah, terrible things can happen in sports. Tragedies happen. I have talked a lot about the Nationals winning the World Series and less about, like, the actual things that happen off the field. Off the diamond, so I don't know. Also, as a side note, looks like Alabama's out. Oh, really? is out for the year. Oh, that is true. And Mac Jones is like your stereotypical A.J. McCarron kind of guy who's like Although this like, random Alabama kid. Al- oh, he's from Jacksonville. But like
1: Alabama backup being forced into action.
0: Yeah, that, think about that it. never turns out well. Never Just turns out well, it.
1: right? Right? Ma- maybe Tua next se- – wait, is he a junior – Oh, no, two is going to the draft. Two is gone. No, I know, but like, just imagine he goes to like. He can come back, yeah, sure, for sure. But he's gonna but be like. like what if he big. like? Tra- no, I'm saying what if he transfers somewhere else and like. Well, like, goes like to Oklahoma full, go- yeah. or something. Yeah, and goes to. Floor, oh my and god! First, kill there, me. And, then, and then whoever like is behind like. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's a funny cycle of of <laughs> Alabama quarterbacks just
0: leaving, leaving, and then beating Alabama. I don't know. I'm surprised. I wish that OU o- o- and Alabama were both getting to be healthy and go into the college football They're play together because I would love a Jalen Hurts versus Tua game, but we're not going to see it, which is an absolute shame. But anyway, back to basketball. Let's talk about basketball. The Nuggets looked great. Nuggets and the Rockets are both. The Rockets had an eight-game winning streak, which is really impressive. They were they proved that they can be one of the best teams in the league, and it's really great to see James Harden averaging so many points a game when people were like, yeah, but he can't average 36 again. He's going to average more than that. Yeah, he's averaging 38 right now. Like, he scored 27 last night, and people were like, oh, is something wrong with James Harden? Is, that's that's not a lot of points. When, meanwhile, if he was averaging 27 points a game, he'd probably be, like, fifth in the NBA in points per game, which is nuts. But anyway, but that, at the same time, that's more than double digits less than his actual scoring average, which boggles the mind. But anyway... Here's something about the Clippers and the Bucks, two other teams that are very, very good that yes. I found very interesting. So this year the Miami the Milwaukee Bucks have played one of the toughest schedules in basketball. And but at the same time, they're eight and two on the road and three and one at home. That's right. How many games is that at home and how many games is that on the road?
1: Uh four at, four at home and ten on the road.
0: Yeah. So they played one of the toughest schedules in the league, and most of those games have been road games. But at the same time, they're eleven and three, which means they're tied for the best record in basketball. Do you want to tell? Do you want to look at uh, the games the Clippers have played this year? Let's see. The Clippers are nine and one at home, and one and four on the road. See so you know what that tells me. I think. That the Clippers are a little bit overrated. Clippers have they've been playing what, some. Was Kawhi playing in in, in those games?
1: Because it might be a coincidence of just Kawhi the, that was the day. Those it day. W-
0: it wouldn't shock me, but the fact is more like they're losing their away games, and they have only played five away games while they've played ten home games. And so, what I'm wondering is, are the Clippers like maybe just a little shakier than we thought? And one of the road games that they lost, I know, was the Rockets, and that was Kawhi was definitely playing that game. Although Paul George wasn't playing that game.
1: That's the thing. I don't think you can really judge the Clippers right now, because yeah. they're. I think you can judge them well based off of you know, last night. You mm-hmm. know, going to battle with one of the best teams in the league. Winning best team the, in the East. Best team in the East. You know, winning. Um, a first game. Yeah, winning with a, a, a comeback. Game with a comeback and just making it happen. You know, and that's what, you know, that's what top-tier teams do is they win. Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen anything else from when Kawhi and Paul George are on the court together. You know, this was their first game together on the court. So I don't think you can really, like...
0: That's true. That's true. But the thing with the Clippers is people talk about this with the Rockets all the time. People talk about how... Oh, James Harden and Russell Westbrook, they can't fit together because they're both so ball dominant. Well, the thing that's happened is James Harden is still as ball dominant as ever has been, and Russell Westbrook has been cut by is, a lot.
1: Yeah, he's got 40.2 usage
0: rate, which is nuts, but it's also because people have been injured. So, it's a little it's a little inflated. Who's been injured? The game where Oh, I
1: guess Eric Gordon's been injured, hasn't
0: he? Eric Gordon's he, been not, is out for 6 months, so. 6 weeks. Uh, Russell West, there's a game that they played recently where Capella was out, uh Russ was out. House was out, and Eric Gordon was out. So it was basically James Harden, P.J. Tucker, and, like, Isaiah Hardenstein, and they still won. Granted, it was against, like, a pretty bad team, I think, but that's not the lineup you ever want to see in in an NBA game. Like, Tyson Chandler was a starting center. Tyson Chandler, unlike LeBron, Tyson Chandler is actually feeling his age, but, yeah. So... What I was saying about the Clippers is this is kind of the thing I was talking about before the year. You had them ranked number one in your season projections, right? Yep. And so I think the Clippers are definitely a finals contender. I think they might be the most dangerous team in the league come the playoffs. But like I said, I'm not sure this is a team built for the regular season. Paul George, for what it's worth, looks to be completely healthy. I saw an interview with him where he was talking about how both of his shoulders feel like new, and this is the best he's felt in a long time. That's great. But then you look at a guy like Kawhi. Kawhi hasn't looked right for a little while. And I was listening to a pod the other day that said he's this is the same injury that he's had since twenty twelve. Yeah. That's not good. If if this is like this is a chronic injury for Kawhi and it seems like he aggravated his knee or something like that in the playoffs last year and he's moving kinda slow, he's missing several games. Kawhi might only play like fifty some games this year. And that's not good. And so I know last year they made the playoffs on the strength of like the Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell pick-and-roll and everything like that. But I guess Paul George might be like an upgraded version of like Tobias Harris or whatever, or I guess like Danilo Gallinari, really. But I get, once again, I'm not quite sure this team is quite built to sustain a real regular season run. It's Because it's kind of assuming that Kawhi is your guy for at least 70 games, and he's not going to make it.
1: I think once, you know... I think after, like, six, 65, 70 games when they see, like, okay, what are the matchup possibilities for, you know, different seeds that we, that we can attain, I think once, you know, the seeding picture comes clear and the Clippers know, you know, what to do to, you know, play this team in the first round or this team in the first I round. Mean, I mean, the then,
0: seed you don't want to have is the four seed because you you want to have like one of the top 2 seeds in the west cuz i think that I've, okay well there're six there're probably six contenders this year if you count the mavericks because there's no way anyone wants to play luka in a playoff series in the first round this year so if you want to play like the signs or the timberwolves or like what? the kings okay hold on
1: a minute neither the the sun uh, those three teams that you just mentioned none of them are making the playoffs
0: oh then who's making the playoffs portland san antonio yes, okc okay,
1: yes and no
0: Portland and San Antonio are currently 13th and 14th in the West, and are, even though the Rockets were 14th in the West last year at one point, neither of those teams have a James Harden to drag them back up there.
1: Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum combined are James Harden. C.J. Oh, you know what oh, I think about C.J. McCollum. You know what
0: I think about C.J. McCollum. But... You can't sustain a... Okay, you can't sustain a team where your two best players are, like, 6'1 guards. Like... The Rockets, James Harden is six foot five. What about the Wizards, with the, <laughs> Bradley Beal is six foot four, six foot five. John Wall is like six three or six foot four, and they're both insanely wait, athletic he, guys.
1: Has, wait, has John Wall ever been measured? I don't think they've ever gotten him to get measured because he can't stand up because one of his legs is all injured. Oh my injured. God,
0: the. The Blazers don't have anyone good. Th- the Blazers just send Carmelo Anthony. Can we talk about that? The God. Blazers send Carmelo yeah, see, Anthony a, that, to solve their team's sentence. problems. That's a death sentence. The Portland Trailblazers are going to miss the playoffs this year. The Portland Trailblazers are going to finish like 12th, 11th or 12th in the West this year because there are, there's too much depth in the West for them to really make it all the way up. Like, yeah, Phoenix isn't that good. Minnesota is not that good. Sacramento is not that good. Like, OKC is not very good. Memphis is overperforming. The... Pelicans are like five and nine or something like that and then you finally get to Portland they're not gonna make the playoffs this year because they're just gonna finish in like a middling spot in the west because Lillard is the only bright spot on the team Lillard has been a top five player in the NBA this year which fine okay CJ McCollum has been nothing short of bad this year and Hassan Whiteside isn't even attempting to try on defense Mar- Again, they're starting Mario Hazonia. Oh, wait. They replaced Mario Hazonia with Carmelo Anthony in the, the year of our Lord both 2019. For- both former Knicks. Oh, my God. Yeah. It- Do you think that the Knicks are like, wow, Melo and Mario Hazonia, those are our guys of the future. No, they got rid of both of them. The Knicks cut both of these guys. The pe- uh, the Trailblazers are in for some serious trouble the rest of the season. Well, it's that- not getting better. Unless they make a Kevin Love trade for, like, Anthony Simons or something like that to mortgage their future. No. Let this season be bad. Maybe try to trade CJ McCollum or something like that. They just locked up McCollum, didn't they? Oh, they he's still tradable. I think. Yeah, but, like, uh, I don't... Uh, there's a team where he would fit better. This is a team which has never really made... It, it's never entirely made sense, the combo. It's two small guards from small schools who have overperformed because they're really good scores, but when one of them loses that scoring ability, gu- remember, guards don't age well. Scoring guards never seem to age I'm well. I'm trying to think of a
1: team that needs them that's in like the playoff picture right now.
0: Literally anybody in the East who wants to get better. The Celtics the, the, can't the, use them. We you haven't, think the we Bucks have, couldn't like, use them? The Bucs would love CJ yeah, McCollum. Okay, there's a team. That, yeah, the I, Toronto I would the absolutely go, be head over. Uh,
1: they already have... Uh, yeah, what if you
0: can trade CJ McCollum for Lowry and get something like that? Why would the Blazers do that? Because Kyle Lowry can play defense, I don't know. But can he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But no, I. But like, I know not for like Kyle Lowry. Or like, he's also like thirty Philly. What if Philly no, is like? Philly can we swap he, sh- no. him for Josh oh Richardson? God. Do you know how much the how much luxury tax they'd be paying? Yeah. Well, Josh Richardson is also getting paid. Tobias Harris is getting paid. Do you? Th- Tobias Harris makes so much more sense on the Blazers because he's. I. Like, Why are we talking about the Blazers? I don't want to talk about the Blazers. The Blazers are bad. I, let's forget about them. Let's talk about the Lakers, who are actually like twelve and two and impressive. Yes? No? Mm-hmm. I, okay, you
1: you can. Yeah, the I Lakers are like the best team in the Lakers. league this
0: year. They're not. They might not say the best team in the league, but LeBron James has is having the season of his life. Not no, sorry, not the season of his life. He's having a normal season, a normal LeBron season, which would be like one of the best seasons anyone's ever had if it was literally anyone but LeBron. They're twelve and two in the West. They haven't really played anybody, not going to lie, but I really like what I've been seeing from them. Their team is working well. They've inserted Kuzma well. They are winning close games, and they're winning by blowouts, and like I said, they have the best point differential in the entire league at plus 9.8. The only other team that's close is the Bucks at plus 9.3, and no one in the West is even above 6.5, which is the Dallas Mavericks. What? Yeah. Lakers are really good this year. They're nine and one in their last ten games. They're on a five game winning streak right now. I feel like no one's talking about them just because it's kind of yeah. Boring. What? What are you? What? Everybody's talking about them. Really? Yes. I haven't. I honestly don't really see it much. I like you. Figure Lakers fans talk about it, but Lakers fans are very easy to ignore, even though there are so many of them, because they're like. The Lakers are like the Yankees.
1: Because they go back to the same topic, talking points. Yeah,
0: like... It's either like, oh, seven rings, Kobe's better than LeBron, give me my donuts. Exactly. That's... Uh, the Lakers aren't that fun, Lake, but the Lakers have also been really good. They just, like... It's kind of like the usual suspects besides, like, Dwight Howard, but also no one really trust, trust Dwight Howard. But also, he's been good. I think I was saying this uh to someone recently, that Dwight Howard has finally accepted the role that yes, he, he should have... Taken uh, on the Rockets a long time ago. Just the JaVale McGee role. No, it's the Clint Capella role. Think about this. What if Dwight Howard on the Rockets back in what? When did they sign him? Like 2013, I think? 2014?
1: Uh, It was the year after he left Lakers. He left 2013. Lakers 2013.
0: So it yeah. would have been 13-14. Imagine if Dwight Howard was like, you know what? I think I'd be a great guy in the pick and roll and just finishing like James Harden lobs. Imagine a, and what if I never posted up? Dwight Howard has seven post-ups this entire season. He was av- trying to average like 4 or 5 or 6 a game but, or at least I would
1: assume because their post-ups run through either LeBron or Anthony Davis.
0: Well, yeah, but also Dwight Howard, the thing about Dwight Howard, the reason people It's like the it's like the same thing with Melo. Melo and Dwight Howard are very similar even though their games aren't that similar. Melo just really wants to shoot whenever he wants and play no defense and just ch- ch- jack up a bunch of 18-footers. Dwight Howard, even though like, oh, you could get the Dwight who's just a dominating finisher every time. Dwight Howard's like, nah, man, I want to be like Kareem and I want to post up and I want to do little baby sky hooks. He can't. He can't for life. But if he was like, I don't know, a big Clint Capella, like a rich man's version of Clint Capella back on the Rockets in like 2013, 2014, 2015, that Ro- Dwight Howard might have a ring. James Harden might have a ring because when you look at like the teams that were winning, you had. Uh, the you had the Spurs, you had the Heat, Miami, the Heat, and you had like the first version of the Warriors. If the if Dwight Howard is like legitimate, Cli- I guess you
1: had the Clippers too.
0: Yeah, I mean, kind of. But the Rockets were competitive all of those years. Like they made the Western Conference Finals in twenty fifteen, for instance.
1: I'm trying to think of more teams, the Hawks. They made the, the Pacers. Pacers.
0: Yeah, the pace. I mean, the Pacers never even made it past Miami. But the Rockets. But, think- but,
1: but okay, but. This is an aside, but I think the Pacers would have won the finals if they beat the Heat.
0: The yeah, that's possible. The Pacers, you, you know what? You know what? You have to take. I've got the Pacers of like the Miami Heat, the LeBron era Pacers, which yes. is really funny to say, but it's also true. Remind me so much of the quote unquote Golden State era Rockets because they're like the, they're the only team that really was able to compete yeah okay. with the I super yeah, team no, yeah. and like tried year after year and really like but they slowed to be down the game in the same conference that they course. had to play them exactly like in the same conference so it's like oh this is the title this is like the what the the championship right here right now that's actually a really apt comparison yeah yeah like because the Rockets, you gotta hand it to them they really want it they knew who their com- competition was it was the Warriors. And they went year after year to try to beat him and try to go after him. And now, 2019, the Warriors have won three games. (laughs) No one else has. Everyone else has won at least four. I
1: I actually want to extend this 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 comparison. Tell me, Celtics post um, 2010. You talked about the Celtics. I, I know but like but like it's cuz I know cuz I know like the the history.
0: Yeah, but the Celtics won a title so I'm, no, 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 I'm a little less inclined to say after
1: 2010 it. after their trip to the Finals in 2010 where yeah, the, everything but they started made... no, no no everything started going downhill. They were like yes, everything started going downhill, but like they were still like I think probably top 3 team in the league because it was the years that you know LeBron was going to the finals. I think the Celtics had a chance of beating the Mavericks if they won
0: against the Heat. They always yeah, played the Heat. It's a little different for me, though, because like the pace of their teams, yeah, their it's, team, it's not they as never. Good, they never made it. It's not as good as a but it is. Because the, the team in front of them just, they just were an unstoppable force. It's not that that team wasn't phenomenal, that so the team in front of them was so good, even as much as they tried and schemed oh, in a specific about, way.
1: How about this? 90s. You had everybody... There we go. There every, we go. Everybody ran into the Bulls. Pacers, exactly. Knicks, Heat. They the always... Jazz. Utah Jazz. Well, no, I'm talking, like, same conference, but, like, the Pacers fine. always ran into... Bye, 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 bye. But, like... But Cavaliers ran into them a but lot.
0: But, like, the same way that those Pacers, that Pacers team never got a ring, the Rockets team never got a ring, same way like that Stockton Malone never got a ring. Yeah, but I... But that's Cavs. That's true. That's Cavs I... Warriors. It's like okay, fine, fine, fine. One, well, one, well, one team was Cavs always won, better than Cavs the Cavs won a series. Yeah, one. W- but Raptors one of those the,
1: t- the Bulls were always better than the Jazz, yeah. and the Warriors were always better than the Cavs, except the Cavs managed to actually win one.
0: Yeah, maybe like. Yeah, I don't know. It's the ve- the comparisons you can make are very interesting. Maybe like, I guess the Pistons finally did make it, but let's like maybe the Pistons Celtics in the eighties. Pistons-Celtics in the Pistons 80s. Pistons couldn't make it until the Celtics kind of started breaking down. They, they couldn't really make it to the finals. Or maybe they did once. I don't remember. I wasn't alive, so I don't. I can't really no, remember. No, I, def- I definitely remember the
1: Isaiah uh, Pistons making it.
0: Yeah, well, they won after uh, the Celtics kind of broke down. But, like, in the early to mid-80s, the Pistons can never quite crack. They can never quite make it past them. But anyway, back to the NBA as currently stands right now. Um, what else have we got? Uh, do you want to talk about the Rookie of the Year race so far? It's not a race. It's Ja Morant. It's Ja Morant. Yeah. But I just want to talk about how weird it is. That there's nobody really... Well, yeah. So, Zion is injured. Zion has been is go- not going to come back to, like, Christmas or something like that.
1: Ooh, now here's a question. Do you think Zion has a chance to win Rookie of the Year? If, he... if Ja wasn't so good... But he's, like, not... He's not putting up, like, insane numbers. That's true. He's like, averaging, in, like, 17. 18. Three.
0: Three. He's averaging 18 points, three rebounds, six assists. But he's also shooting 41% on threes. Yeah. But I okay, think so he could get if... better over the course of the year just because he's... Oh, I I have got a little bit of, bit of a thing about this. But so far, so I think it's it's not a six-person race. It's a it's right now it's, a, like, a one-person race with, like, Zion sort of looming over as, like, a possibility. So the NL's young. But so, like... Young. But yeah. But the guys that you have are very interesting. So you've got first overall pick, not including him. So you've got the second, the third and the fourth overall pick. Yeah, you, got Barrett. Who, yeah, you have John ja Morant, who's the second overall pick. He is getting buckets. He is. That's something which yeah, he's n- no other rookie besides Kendrick Nunn has been able to do, really. And maybe Eric Paschal. John ja Morant is getting serious buckets. He's the one who's leading them in games. He's that team leader. He's like Carlos Correa back in like the 2015 Ashes or something, or Alex Bregman in 2017. He's like, he's the young guy who goes into a team and is suddenly like the fieriest guy there. So, John ja Morant is getting buckets. He's taking those clutch situations. He's guarding guys in clutch situations when the going gets tough. He's like, I am ready to be a star. It reminds me of Luca. John ja Morant is like, just this confident, confident guy. He's He has a lot not of not brash, but he's like he's kinda nuts. Have you seen the dunks that he's attempting?
1: He's attempted a lot of dun- but like he always makes great passes. He yeah. always makes the right play.
0: That's true. That's something which he really exposed people to in March Madness. It's like, wait, John Morant the guy we've been hearing out all year is like I don't know this like skinny Russell Westbrook. can actually make n- insane passes. I just want to say that I had Murray the Murray
1: State Oregon matchup, and I think it was the second round actually happening. That's pretty good, and it actually happened. Yeah, Murray Murray State. Okay, was a now great I need team. now I need to rant about the fact that I mm, I would have won. I so I picked, oh your bracket. I picked, I picked Auburn to go to the Final Four, which they I did. Too. I picked Duke to win it all. I would have won. I my bracket pool. Even when Duke lost, yeah. if either Texas Tech or Auburn won the whole thing,
0: and Texas Tech lost, which was a shame. That was a really good game. Virginia was kind of a team of destiny, though. Yeah, this was... is old news. This is last March, but Virginia like got like three or four wins. They just yeah, they should not pulled have them out a of nowhere. nowhere. But yeah, so did Duke. That though. pass, oh my god! That like remember the the free throws and like the ball just goes like to the other side of the court and then that. Yeah, and then they're just like oh the had to head
1: to Diaquite.
0: yeah, exactly. I passed to Diakite. Oh my god!
1: And then the foul and the oh god,
0: what a crazy, crazy tournament that was. But anyway, um, so you've got your drama rant, who's been really good. He really plays like a vet. That, that's sort of what it looks like. He plays with a like a vet with athleticism. Exactly. Like like he's he's savvy and he's just totally willing to attempt insane finishes at yeah. the rim. And he's also shooting really well at first—even though he's not shooting a lot of shots, he's only shooting a couple a game, but he's still hitting 41% of his threes, which is really good. And he's averaging 18 points a game in 27 minutes, which is pretty—that's what you want to see from a rookie. That's the kind of guy which like, oh, yeah, we can lock him in for the next 10, 15 years. And so you also have R.J. Barrett, who's been good. He's been able to lead the team better than I think he did at Duke when he wasn't really the he guy yeah, at Duke. And they didn't really have any spacing. He works really well in spacing because he's he's really good at driving to the rim and creating his own shot. He just didn't really have a lot of room to do that in the college basketball system. The thing is, is that when the going gets tough, when spaces get smaller, he's having the same problem he did at Duke. I remember, it wasn't his first game, but it was the first real game. It was when Duke lost that game against Gonzaga when Everyone's like, Oh, Duke's gonna go undefeated, and then they lost to Gonzaga. Yeah, RJ Barrett attempted like five or six shots in the final couple minutes. I don't think Zan attempted one, and he had at least three or four of them get blocked by Gonzaga because Gonzaga's a huge yeah. team, though. They had that's they true, had Clark, they had Clark, they had Hachimura, yeah. they had like some Rui, other guy whose I name love, I agree. love, Rui. Yeah, I'm gonna get to Brandon Clark. Um, but so RJ Barrett is kind of. Going a little cold at the end of the fourth quarters and having a little trouble creating his own shot when it really gets down to it. So that's something he's got to build. And then DeAndre Hunter dropped twenty-seven points in the Bucks last night, made all of his threes, had eleven rebounds. That was really impressive to see him like against you know Giannis Antetokounmpo. That was butchered against Giannis, the Greek freak. But then, so you got the two doing really well, the three and the four doing pretty well too. But then you also have Kendrick Nunn and Eric Paschal. That's your other good guys from that draft, which is nuts to see. Kendrick Nunn, his coming out, he was really good in the G League last year. Yep. His coming out party was sort of like, I think in the last preseason game, the Heat played the Rockets. It was really legitimately a close game. Harden played a surprising amount of minutes. But Kendrick Nunn was going toe-to-toe with Harden, basket after basket. And he has just continued this year. The Heat are surprising as hell. They are currently fourth, I believe, in the Eastern Conference. It's really great to see what's going on he is kind he's leading rookies and steals right now actually which is crazy to see and he I don't know he's just a guy who no one really knew about and is really making a name for himself and then Eric Paschal who I mean someone's got to score for the Warriors someone's got to do something but he he's playing like kind of a big guard he's scoring 21 a game which I think is second among rookies it's either first or second I'm not sure where Kendrick Nunn is at. And six point eight rebounds per game. And so but he, at the same time he was like a mid second round pick who no one was like is actually gonna contribute, even though he was kind of an older guy, so you kind of assume that. But really, this he might not be doing that much yet, although he did have fifteen and five this past week. Brandon Clark has been my guy since college. Like Jordan Poole's been my guy. Yeah, Jordan, Jordan Poole's not been bad. So is Duncan Robinson actually. I like Duncan Robinson. But anyway... Listeners, if you re- realize what the connection is, hit me up. I mean, what college could they have gone to? I have no idea. Um, But so, anyway, Brandon Clark... So, Zion, like, set the record, obviously, for player efficiency rating in college last year. But Brandon Clark was number two for, like... And it was, like, a pretty heavy... Like, he was, like... He still had a 30 PER even though Zion had like a 40, which is stupid because 30 means you're playing at an all-star level and 40 means that you're playing on god mode. But so Brandon Clark, he's like six foot six. He's a really jumpy guy. He's, he can kind of, he's, in the same way that Zion can really go up for blocks, Clark kind of reminds me of the same thing. Except he was 23 when he got drafted so he kind of fell. But so he got 15-5 and five this past week, like I said. He's shooting 62% of the season, 44% on threes, and 85% from the line. And so he's averaging 12.76 uh, with six rebounds. And he leads all rookies who have played 10 more, more minutes per game in blocks this year, which is really impressive to see, even though he's just six foot six, and there were a lot of big guys in this draft. So what's, surpri- what's kind of surprising is, like, it's guys at the top, but it's relatively equally matched by guys at the bottom. And so that's, I think, something that's been really impressive to see from this rookie class. Yeah. Who would you go with
1: most improved?
0: Most improved. Well, you sort of have to, like, figure out, I don't know, where you want to go with that because you have someone like Pascal Siakam who won most improved player in the league last year. And I did you make an all-star team? No, they didn't make an all-star team. But he was really good. He was, like, sort of Kawhi second banana. And people were like, well, he's making a leap. Maybe he's doing it because of Kawhi. Maybe he's doing it because of, like, who he is. But people sort of figured he'd be around the same as he was last year. No. I think he's he's definitely going to make an all-star team in the East this year. He might make an all-NBA team, even though there's, he's going to be stacked at the wing position. But Siakam has been one of the t- probably top 10, 15 players in the league so far this year. He has is definitely the biggest reason why the Raptors are doing so well, even though people pretty much expected to drop off. I'm not sure I even expected them to make the playoffs. But Siakam has been a star. like He's a legitimate star now. And so the question is, do you give the word to someone like that? Which is kind of like, I don't know, how Giannis won it for a couple years in a row. Or do you give it to somebody like Malcolm Brogdon? Oh, I was going to say Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram's kind of been hurt. I love what Brandon Ingram is doing. Averaging 25 a game. Hasn't he been hurt a little bit? He might have missed a few, maybe just missed a few games and he's back. But yeah, so Malcolm Brogdon leading the Pacers with minus Victor Oladipo. He started off a little slow, but then really got hot and he's been hot. And so the Pacers don't really have anybody besides him. And so it's really been nice to see what he's been doing. But yeah, tell me about Ingram. He's averaging 25 a game. He's shooting 44% from three. Yeah. And he, like I said last time, he's shooting 50% on cash and shoot threes. Like, that's nuts. It's it's,
1: it's un- unbelievable, I and I don't think anybody's really talking about it. Yeah, mainly because the Pelicans are suck.
0: The Pelicans are sort of getting better. I think they've won like I don't know if they're on a winning streak right now, but they've won like most of their last few games, and I think they're kind of putting themselves in the position that like when Zion comes back, they might actually be in good shape. They've won two in a row. We'll see what happens right now, but. The Pelicans aren't the worst team in the league right now. It's the Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. You lo- you kind of hate to see it. It's a shame. Any other teams we got to talk about? The Spurs are bad. The Kings are good, or decent. What's st- I don't know. No one really talks about the Eastern Conference all that much. Is there anything you've got on there besides obviously, you know, Boston? I you mean, know, all the, it's, it's all the teams we expected. Yeah. I mean, Brooklyn's made it w- its way back into the playoffs. Just like there is a top five in the West, or I think a top six, there's a top five in the East, with Boston, Milwaukee, Miami, Toronto, and Philly. And then you got like your, you've got your Indy, you got your Brooklyn. The, right now, the Magic are there, but who knows if tomorrow is going to be Charlotte or Chicago or Atlanta or whoever. But I don't know, it's been a very, there've been a lot of really good teams this year, and maybe even better than we thought in a lot of those ways, which is really nice to see. You love seeing just players do really well, like Luca. Really is, I think Luca is going to be the story of the season yeah. when we're done with it. He might not win the MVP, but I do, it would not shock me at all if the Mavs made like a pretty decent playoff run, uh, just with Luca on those. Because there's no one dominant team. There's no team that anyone's like, oh, lock it in. Because we've been we have talked about like six, seven teams as possibilities for being the best team in basketball right now. Yeah. And I love that. I love that we can do that. And it's not just, well, we've got the Warriors. So who are we going to talk about? And now the race, (laughs) the thing is the race for the bat, the bottom is kind of like, well, we've got the Warriors. So who else would it be? Because every team in the Eastern conference, because there are, there are more teams in the Eastern conference between four and six games won then there are teams with more than teams that have won more than six games so that's gonna be a bad bad conference this year that's gonna be bad at least the west is like deep ish even like i don't know there are teams that are like only below average instead of bad in the west what do you think who who who's who are your lottery teams right now give me a top three for the lottery Okay, I, I
1: obviously Warriors, Knicks, Cavaliers. That's fair.
0: Cavs are bad. I like the Cavs. I like kind of like what they're doing. Sexton's been fine. Garland's been fine. Darius Garland. What I would love to see. I don't know if I talked about the pod, on the pod last week or not, but I would love to see the Rockets trade for Tristan Thompson. Yeah, would that. love to see the Rockets trade for Tristan Thompson. It works under with salaries. I ch- I checked it out, but I don't know. Well. It's going to be a long season. The trade deadline is might be a little quieter than normal because teams are kind of sort of stuck in the way that they are, but it's nice to see the Nuggets doing well. Nice to see the Rockets doing well. Nice to see the Mavs doing well. Nice to see the Celtics doing well. It's a good NBA season so far, and I've had a fun time watching it. Yeah. So, and it's going to be Thanksgiving next week, so happy holidays. This episode's going to be a two-parter. I hope it's fun. You can, like, I don't know. You're not going to hear this until you're at the end of it, but my suggestion for you would have been maybe break into a couple parts. Or are oh, you going to put it out in two parts?
1: Uh, no, I'm going to put it out in one part, but yeah. it's, I, I, on your way back home from wherever you travel to get home to Thanksgiving. Yeah. Listen it, to it on the car ride
0: there. Exactly. All right. Until next time, we're at the StatCast, and we'll see you next time.